Hello and welcome to episode 18 of the Warfield Podcast, a Starfield Lore News Podcast. I'm your co-host Mitch, along with our wonderful other co-host Lexi. Hello. You might have seen the new Tales from the Settled Systems video on our YouTube channel following a Crimson Fleet pirate. Lexi and I are pleased to be joined by Red Wolf, a videographer and voiceover artist who made that project possible. Red Wolf, welcome. Thank you. Thank you. It's great to have you here, and we're going to talk a lot more about that video series in a little bit. This episode will be multifaceted because, as promised last time, we'll be tackling the rest of Starfield's traits, speculating on what effects they have and how we might get rid of them. And, of course, with Red Wolf on the show, we'll get into that Tales from the Settle System video and tell you more about what it is and what you can expect from future installments of that series. So it should be a lot of fun. So, uh, Red Wolf, as is tradition on the Warfield podcast, when we have a guest, we love to ask them how they first got into Bethesda Game Studios and how they, they came to love the game and, of course, how you heard about Starfield and everything. So uh, the floor is yours. Take as much time as you need to tell us that, that story. Yes, it was a cold winter's night. Um, it actually was. It was, it was during Christmas. Uh, I was a young lad, um, however old. I can't remember. I was a kid. We, uh, we were traveling like two and a half hours away to um, my stepfather's mother's house, so my step-grandmother, and we were going to be staying there like all of Christmas week, so my mom was like, you know, take your Xbox with you, take your, tu- your tube TV, which was like 87 pounds, uh, we, we packed that up into the, into the car and, and took off, but she needed to do some last-minute uh, Christmas shopping, uh, and so... Knowing that I was going to be a pain, she was like, let's just stop at EB Games. You can pick out one game, but you have to, you know, you got to chill. You got to be chill. Um, And so I'll I'll never forget. I saw from a distance, it was this black and gold uh, Xbox case, and it said Morrowind, Game of the Year Edition. And I was, I turned, turned it over. Looked at the back and it was like play as all these different races. I was like, I can be a lizard man, uh, and just the rest is history. I I took it home. Christmas had already been done as far as I was concerned because that game just blew me away for for the time that it came out. Nothing there wasn't anything like that unless it was like an MMO, but that's an MMO. Um, and you know then then Oblivion came out and then uh, Fallout. Uh, I remember playing Fallout looking at the back of the case of that in, in Blockbuster when Blockbuster was still a thing and uh, looking at the back and seeing your your uh, your dog companion walking beside you and I got um, I don't know if you guys remember the game Dead to Rights uh, where you play as a cop and your canine companion is a German Shepherd I th- or th- it might be a Husky um, but I fell in love with man's best friend you know like the lonesome wanderer with his with his dog um, fell in love with Fallout, and then I was like, "Man, this is this reminds me of a game. This this is kind of like Oblivion." I was like, "The the the aesthetic, the sort of like the UI, the way it feels." And this was before I followed any of the behind the scenes of game development. And lo and behold, it was the same people, and so on and so forth. I I mean, New Vegas, every everything Bethesda, I have just loved ever since. So that is pretty much, that's my origin story. 
That's amazing. I don't mean to make you feel bad, but I think you you dated yourself a little bit by bringing up EB Games. I haven't heard that one in. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, I am seventy eight years old. Um, so, <laughs> yes. No, that's great. It's so good to have somebody on the show whose first experiences with Morrowind, because um, that was a game that I only came around to. Uh, gosh, probably twenty fourteen or fifteen, maybe even later. It might have been after Fallout Four, but um. I, I don't know what that was like because that game was so groundbreaking for a console player. Yes. Um, there was nothing like it at the time, so that's really neat. And then more recently, what got you into Starfield? I understand from uh, talking before the show that you were into Starfield before most people were, before it kind of caught a lot of gamers' attention. So how did that come about? Uh, that came about because I was looking into trademarks at the time um, because a buddy of mine... Um, is also a gamer. He's also in, in a very similar uh, space as me, um, as far as work goes and, and professional, you know, all, all that kind of stuff. And um, he caught wind of a trademark from Bethesda, and I think it started off as a. Somebody correct me in the comments if you, because I'm, I'm trying to remember. This was like five years ago or something. This was a long time ago. Um, but anyway, I remember hearing about um, them getting a, a placeholder tra trademark for um, Starfield, and I remember I, I think this was this was around the same time that that um, we saw. I don't know if you guys remember Redguard trademark. And Redguard, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I remember that. Everyone was like Skyrim DLC or Elder Scrolls right. Six. Yeah, and so Starfield kept sticking, and then people like Skullzy started reporting on it. Juicehead started reporting on it. Um, Mr. Matty plays. All the, all the Bethesda lovers started uh, talking about it, and I was like, I'm not alone. I, I'm feeling validated because I'm following this this wild goose chase of I just want a new Bethesda game. And um, so I followed it just every single video that came out that, and people were like, it's not even real, man. You don't know what you're talking about. And I, it was so frustrating. And then I remember in 20, I believe it was 2017, um, at a Bethesda showcase, Bethesda literally had a backdrop that was a Starfield. And I was like, today is the day. And I was telling my friends, like, you get ready, get ready. It's happening. And lo and behold, it didn't. And so I felt very, I was like, now I, now I kind of do feel crazy. Um, but then whenever the, the teaser came out, um, the first trailer for Starfield, I, I had been with it for so many years that I felt like I was already part of the hype before hype was even there. So I, I have felt so in, <laughs> entangled in Starfield before I even knew what it looked like. And, and then of course the, the screenshot leaks, uh, that the I think it was the alpha um, alpha leaks that came out and all that and even then I was like I'm looking at it I'm going it looks like a Bethesda game but is it I still need to see it I still need to see it um, so yeah that's that's how far back it goes. There are some of us who uh, still maintain that Starfield was supposed to be announced at when uh, in 2017 when the background was a Starfield but those are those are conspiracy yeah. theorists among us and I'm definitely not one of them. I, yes, yes. <laughs> I I think I don't know. It's I remember the conspiracy that Pete Hines wanted to say more, but he didn't. 
like people were claiming there was a moment of hesitation. That, that's just what I remember. But I can't find any posts on it, so it might have just been like uh, at the college I was at at the time. Those kind of like speculation rumors. Yeah, I think once you have an idea in your head, like, okay, Pete, when you go out there, you know, you're going to say this and say this. And then last minute they go, never mind, just, just never mind. Talk about, talk about this instead. So he gets up there and he's like, hey, so <laughs> we're going to talk about uh, uh, Fallout. And you're like, something, <laughs> it was kind of obvious. I'm with you on that, Lex. It, it was obvious. I, in 2018, I was like hyped for when Starfield was announced, but when they revealed Elder Scrolls 6, I lost it. I absolutely lost it when they revealed Elder Scrolls 6. I almost had heart attack. <laughs> oh my god, Starfield's uh, revealed. It's like, oh, and there's one more thing we've got to show you. And I was like, holy shit, he's not going to. I was like preparing my wallet. I was like, all right, any collector's edition can't. And I have never been more like virgin mode, I guess. <laughs> they're gonna they're gonna have a, the collector's edition for Elder Scrolls Six, and instead of a pit boy on your arm, it's just gonna be like a dragon head, and you like put your fist in. Yeah, yeah right, but... I'm in like the tin foil hat of Elder Scrolls Six. I'm not going to abandon like covering law. Of Starfield, but if I'm a bit like if I become absent, that's literally gonna be why I'm just drowning in Elder Scrolls Six in the future. I think the whole world is gonna just take a pause when that game comes out for a couple weeks. You took the words right out of my mouth. I was gonna say it's not gonna be you. We will all be submerged deep underneath the, the the mighty weight of Elder Scrolls 6 it's gonna it's gonna blow up but with E3 2018 talk about a bounce back because 2017 I don't even remember what the main games were that year because they really didn't show much I I think it was a really underwhelming show and I think most people would agree with that and then 2018 they just absolutely killed it and it was awesome Here's um, a fun, like, blank memory. If you can't remember E3 2017, I bet you won't be able to remember E3 2016. I can. Skyrim I, Special Edition. I, I had to re-watch that showcase to remember what was revealed. And it started, I think, with Quake Champions. Oh, that's right, Quake Champions. <laughs> oh my God, I remember what a what a. I don't have any. I'm trying to. <laughs> I don't know what uh, was more disappointing was that alongside special edition of Skyrim that because now to be fair. It, we're talking about Skyrim coming to next gen. That that wasn't the was that the first time? Or when did the first special edition for, for Skyrim come out? Was that twenty sixteen? Yeah, it was that was twenty sixteen. It was That's the first wild. like upgrade, but there was the legendary edition, which was another resell that had all the DLC. 
Yeah, okay. that's, that that legendary edition was the game of the year edition, essentially. Yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I then then yeah. So I, I think I'm confusing two things. I think I'm thinking of the re-release that wasn't at another showcase. Um, the yeah, Quake I, Champions thing was something that people thought it was going to be just a new Quake game, and it just turned out to be sort of a an esports yeah uh, it's, draw. It's actually pretty fun. Like the the combat's pretty fun, but it's not so much the game. It's more it's another studio making it. Mm. They wanted to bring back the arena shooter, but then they also added elements from like Overwatch with like heroes and you know uh, special powers. Right, instead of just the. I mean, I remember, and I'll date myself again and say I remember playing the original Quakes on um, on PC, and I remember it feeling it was kind of like Doom. Um, it was, it was more scary. I remember being scared, a little scaredy cat. Um, and then they they jumped in with hero, like a hero style arena shooter, kind of like Unreal. Yeah. Um, back in the day, yeah. I wonder if uh, it is going to still be helping out with the shooting in Starfield. Probably, most likely, they're, they're all talking. I, who would have given Bethesda like ship talks? Like, cause we we don't even know if there's going to be vehicles, and I don't know. I mean, vehicles like. Wait, do we know if there's going to be like rovers and stuff? Not yet, because that's been speculated for a while. Because we had that one concept art, and they were like, oh, there's going to be vehicles. And everyone's exactly. like, oh, you don't expect that. Don't even expect a thousand planets, and we got a thousand planets. Yeah, I, I remember the... the um, I can't even... I don't know where this came from in my mind, but I remember just... Be, just, go, just totally resigning to the idea that it is set in the Milky Way... Um, or in soul in the soul system in our system so there is only going to be just a handful of planets and then you know kind of going off of uh was it the 10th planet there the original back in the day bethesda's mm. old i don't know if you guys remember that um and then at the end of the you know todd saying you're probably wondering what how how big is it and then then they showed the map and i was like oh so it is in the, in the system that's cool and then he's like but not just this system and that's when i should have been wearing a diaper when that happened <laughs> because oh my god i i i had my friend in in party chat when that happened and <laughs> i was like screaming i could not believe it because that was so I I did not see that coming, and I know people, and I guess I guess we'll we'll talk about that as far as the, the planet scale now that we have more information. Um, but I could not have been happier with that. That made me so happy to to see that it was not just one system. Yeah, it's but like before that, Mitchell remember this. Um, there was this one guy on Reddit, and he was convinced that all these backgrounds they were releasing in uh, marketing. It was showing the game map, and like there were all these systems that were going to be in the game. Everyone's like, "Nah, 
they're only going to have like three or four systems. Come on, be realistic. Hadn't turns out he was onto something. Mm hmm. Yeah, it, it really gives me. Um, at the very least, I was I was hoping that there was, yeah, like three or four systems. And I, I mean, I remember big, big influencers talking about that and being so convinced of that. And it made sense because the type of scale that we're used to with Bethesda is just the one, um, the one big map that, that we all love. And then just to see that, and then you, in retrospect, it sort of clicks. It makes more sense. You go, Bethesda has been using procedural generation since the, since day one for, for everything. Well, I think, um, from the recent, um, uh, details that Todd provided, it's not like Daggerfall was like true random generation or something. Uh, but Starfield, it's more, uh, it's pre-mapped around like a sphere uh, with the generation. And, and 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 another thing, people look, they're like, oh yeah, most of them are randomly generated though. Unlike hardly any handcrafted content. But my counter argument is, that's good. And the reason for that is, there are going to be so many variety of planets. And you could just find this perfect, peaceful planet that was randomly generated, nothing on it, and you can make that your home. Uh, if it, you know, mineral farm it, do what you want, but that planet is yours. And say if you want a jungle planet, go find one. Stuff like that. Yes, that's going to be And mine. there's nothing on it, so it's basically yours. Right. Like so, you mentioned um, the the new interview, new information we have from Todd yes. Howard, and I'll use that as a segue to transition into the, the big news on this episode, which is that Todd Howard joined Lex Fridman on a November 29th edition of his podcast. This was completely unexpected, came out of the blue, um, and it's almost three hours of new Todd content, and about 20 minutes were dedicated to Starfield. Um, they mostly talked about like uh, general life advice some philosophical stuff which was very interesting and um, highly recommend you check it out if you haven't in its entirety um, but we'll just focus on the starfield stuff of course firstly we found out that systems are leveled so there will be certain systems that are kind of locked off there might be like a level 40 system that you can't really do anything in until later mm -hmm. in the game how do we feel about this this is kind of in line with what this has done in recent games I'm I'm gonna say definitely that is good. Fallout Four so Fallout Four and seventy six had have this or at least seventy six had had it where regions would be level specific. But Fallout Four, uh yeah. The further south you go, the higher the leveled enemies. So they've kind of done it before, but now they're actually going to tell you. And my only hope is the lower level regions level up with you so they don't feel like easy areas when you're like level 50 or whatever. But I, I think it's a good thing. And I, I think when you apply that idea to Starfield, it is much more, I think it's going to be much more in depth than that because they're building onto this. So it's not just like go too far, get too hard uh, difficulty. It's going to be, this system is so far out that you're going to need 
maybe new type of engine uh, to to get there. Yeah, um, yeah, that's true. You're you might need new gear. I think Todd talked about um, spacesuits and how they work and how different planets are going to be more hazardous, and you'll need different types of gear. So it's like there there are there are more levels to uh, the difficulty. No pun intended. Just as far as yeah. the mechanics go. I'm just going to say for the record, Todd, you cannot stop me from doing the no spacesuit run. You're not going to stop me. These hazardous <laughs> planets, I'm still going to attempt a no spacesuit run. Yeah, I think man floating around in space. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I think there are, there are two sides to the this leveled systems things. On the one hand, I get the argument against it, which is that you're there's kind of a soft lock on areas that prevent you from exploring the whole map right away. And that's a little antithetical to the Bethesda philosophy. I get it. But on the other hand, it saves content for you so that you're still finding new stuff when you're level 40. And one thing, what I think is the biggest benefit of this is that if you wander into a system that's too high level for you and you just get wrecked by the enemies there, you can build up and come back 10 levels later and you can bring the fight to them and you can kill them. And that's a really rewarding experience that wouldn't really happen if the game just scaled with you no matter where you went. So um, I'm in agreement with both of you that this is going to be a good fit for Starfield. We also found out regarding companions that we can have more complex relationships with them. And um, there's a little bit of debate over what Todd said, whether he said for the companions or for of the companions. But regardless, some of the companions at least uh, can be in love with you and then enter a state where they're like upset with you for something you did, but um, still be in love with you. So there's just going to be some added depth to the relationship you have with your companion. Please, please let me romance Vasco. That's all people want. Yeah, I think that's... he sh didn't he shoot it down in the Reddit AMA. He said, "Yeah, I f I think he kind of said Vasco isn't like a traditional companion, or at least like hinted at it. I I don't know. I can't remember now. But he, he said something. There's like one robot or something or non-human. I I can't remember." Well, either way, I think that's a day one mod, <laughs> Romanceable Vasco, even if yeah. it's not in the base game. Another day one mod is obviously lightsabers. Space game lightsabers, you know, instead of replacing the textured moon with the Death Star, replace an actual moon with the Death Star or make a moon that as a texture of the Death Star. Or a chocolate chip cookie. Yeah. <laughs> Or Todd have a planet and it's just a 3D model of Todd's face. There, there we go. Game of the year. Oh, that's awesome. And Todd rotates in the sky. The problem is, though, so you can do that in other Bethesda games, make Todd's face the moon or whatever. But in Starfield, you can actually go to and land on the moon. So is that... Are we? Gonna yeah, yeah. Like... And, and also, because he... Uh, spoilers, but in this interview, he confirmed that they have full orbits, even when you're in space or on the ground. Right. So, you've got a 3D model of Todd's face, and it's constantly rotating. So when Todd has his back to you, you can say the apocalypse has happened. Right, you're like, I can get away with anything. Dad's not looking. <laughs> the, mods, the mods are going to be absolutely amazing. 
yeah, we're gonna have Mustafar, we're gonna have Naboo, we're gonna we're gonna have uh, Eden Prime from Mass Effect. Uh, we're gonna, uh, man, just the possibilities. That's the thing, and even in even in the base game, there are so many environments that we have not seen yet. In fact, you could you could assume that there are like 992 environments that we haven't seen yet. But oh man, yeah, you're right. There's just going to be so much diversity. Like it it seems like a game that you can play forever. So far, I don't know. It's kind of a meme to say that, but yeah. and that that's uh, good for low content because that means infinite. Um content for fans this is the podcast i can't say it's very exciting but you know um we're not scripted so we're kind of off the rails here all natural or is it l natural l i've always said al 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 Al. alfred natural (laughs) he's a uh, good friend of mine I wonder if they'll have technology where um, after we die, we can like get our brains hooked up to a machine and then we can just live in Starfield or wherever we want to. Yes. Oh, that is... What What movie is that? That is... Uh, is that a movie? Oh, uh, God. Uh, I'm thinking of like... Um, no, Johnny Depp, Transcendence. No, but that's that's a little different. He's like in a computer. We don't, we don't want that. We we want full on, you know, ten inch giant needles in the back of our head, Matrix style, right? That's that's what we want, and just close our eyes and just, you know, guns, lots of guns. That that's what we want. I I, do, I don't know if this is true, but I heard people in our lifetime it's possible we could live forever. They are inventing ways to stop, like slow down aging and like even halt it and also if you have an organ failure they just grow an organ and replace it and you're fine mm. it's like that's scary to think about but I mean infinite Starfield games we'll, we'll be living till Starfield 10 the reboot the Starfield inning that's technology that they could tackle in the game. There could be some of the lore behind some of like the healing or, or things like that. Hmm. Well, human, we as humans don't have long lifespans anyway. But I think what Neil deGrasse, I think it was Neil deGrasse Tyson. He said, when when it comes to life, it's the urgency. That that motivates you to make as most mo- to make the most of your life. If you were immortal, you wouldn't have the urgency because your life wasn't finite, wasn't limited. Right. I guess that's why, like, villains like Dracula and people who are just immortal and bad are just—they seem so bored. Just like, oh, oh yeah, yeah. It takes ten thousand hours to master something. You get really good at something, you get bored. You do something else, you master that, you get bored. You're just gonna get bored right. constantly. And the worst part is you won't be able to form relationships with people. Because everyone you know will die. 
So what's the point in sharing a bond with someone for their life when you have to go through the heartbreak of losing them to old age? That like people want immortality, but you probably won't want it. And that's why we want to romance Vasco Todd. <laughs> yeah. <Yes. laughs> the next piece of news we got from that podcast, there's no good way to transition out of that, so we'll just do it. <laughs> there's an effort to tell the player which planets have nothing, what resources they have, etc., and which planets have the handcrafted content that some players might be looking for. So he didn't go into specifics on this, but there will be that messaging of this planet has nothing. So if you're looking for quests or characters to meet, keep looking. I think with that, and I'm going to bring up No Man's Sky. I know some Starfield fans are sick of hearing the comparisons. Um, <laughs> but when you scan a planet, it tells you what resources it has in like a little bullet point list. I'm wondering if you hover over the planet, it's going to be similar. You hover over the planet and it tells you what it contains, roughly. Or you have to do like a scan that you have to hold a button for, and then it tells you. I mean, I think, honestly, the, the Starfield compare or the uh, No Man's Sky comparisons are... They're valid right now because there is nothing else to compare it to, even like Star Citizen, which that's not even a game. I'm sorry. Uh, it's it's a proof of concept that's never going to come out. Exactly. Yeah, I I am hurt. I'm hurt because Star Citizen was like that was that was it for me. I was like, this is my dream mm. game, and then it it just <laughs> I don't even talk about it. But then No Man's Sky came out, and it is what it is. It's the it's the legendary comeback kid story, and it just happens to be. I mean, that the idea of that, just the infinite. I mean, I remember showing that game to my girlfriend and she was she was like, this is scary. I was like, she always says that about that game. She's like, this is like scary. Like. And because I, I explained to her that, like, the devs made an algorithm, which is essentially is a god and that god created everything, you know, within within it, um, the planets and all the life on it and all that. Um, so the comparisons are valid. I mean, that is, I don't, I, what else are we going to compare it to? I mean, I, I feel like if, even if Starfield came before No Man's Sky, yeah, I think going up to a planet and scanning it would make the most sense. You know, if you had to go all the way down, land on a planet and then scan and be like, up, oh, what I need isn't here. And then jump back in the ship, fly up. That would just be very mm. annoying tedious yeah yeah there's also the planetary scanner once you get down on the planet which is another similarity between the two games because um, in the galaxy map there were a couple times where we saw like a progress bar of how how much analysis had been done on a planet and it was 15 or 20 percent if you can just scan the whole thing from space then that would just go from zero to 100 but we have this in progress thing going on so um, there's that angle too of going down on the planet and you have to scan all the flora, all the fauna. That's another thing that No Man's Sky does that it, it's looking like Starfield is going to follow suit with. Yeah. Well, No Man's Sky, you can name some, like, if you've discovered the planet first. And now Starfield single player, the 
I, I get Jemison, you're never going to be able to rename that if you build your base there. But I bring this up in a previous episode. I want to name a planet something very stupid. The randomly generated planet I settle on. I want to call something stupid for my save. So when every merchant comes to land at my spaceport, they will forever know my world as Todd Howard rules 69420. Speaking of that, I just want to point out before I forget that Mitch literally said the phrase going down on a planet. And I had to, <laughs> I had to try to not laugh immediately. But yes, naming planets will be something. Um, yeah, it, like you said, it is single player, so you know, you, you could you could have very you know take a screenshot. There's a photo mode. That's a thing. You know, and, show people your silly named planets. And if not, I will just when the kit's out, I will make my own planet and then call it something stupid there. Actually, I've said this for a while. But I'm waiting for the day someone creates uh, the Orbis in Starfield as a system. Um, and for those non-test like test players or like test law fanatics, the Orbis is like the whole of existence in Elder Scrolls, I think. You got Mundus, but they're not just the Orbis, I suppose. Because then you'd have to create like oblivion and stuff. So I, I don't know. Yeah, I guess just Mundus then. Um, so you've got all of the divine planets and their orbits, and then you've just got Nern. and they're just going to create all the scrolls in Starfield. I wonder. Um... How many callbacks there will be to their other series because Nern Root was in Fallout 4. The problem is that that invites no, uh, speculation that they're in the same universe when it's just an Easter egg. Last last time, oh, with Fallout 4, it was hilarious. All the speculations on Reddit are they connected? You had like people who didn't like on the surface, it makes complete, it makes almost makes sense. But if you know the lore of both series well enough. It makes no sense. It doesn't even stand on its two legs. Totally agree. And then adding the, the third one now in with Starfield. It, it just... No. <laughs> when I was... When I was, uh, gosh, 13 or 14, I subscribed to that idea that Elder Scrolls and Fallout were in the, were in the same universe and that Elder Scrolls was very far in Fallout's future. But... No, I'm, I'm disappointed I'm in you, Mitch. Uh, no. I know. Me too. We all have those blunders when we're younger. Oh, it's fine. I used to have, uh, in high school, I used to think about the Dwemer returning and, you know, that's never going to happen. Well, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, Todd said never say never at the 2019 25th anniversary, but it's that would be the last thing Todd ever did. We shall see in the future. Yes, we but, shall. Um, we had just two more little details from that podcast with Todd Howard, both of them dealing with ships. So firstly, ships will dynamically come and go from cities and spaceports just in real time. Um, I have a couple of questions about that. First of all, I think it's really cool. Secondly, how, um, how, what's the word? How 
can we go in the ships? Can we hijack them during the time that they're landed? Or will they just be, I don't know, will they like despawn before we can see them because they mm. land off in the distance? That sort of thing. How real are they? Okay, okay. I, I think I can answer this. You know how sometimes your settlement will get, I'm talking about Fallout 4, will get a random NPC just, you know, it's not they teleported there, is they actually walk the map. And even when they're not loaded, the game keeps track of where they're supposed to be, roughly. At least I think. And they'll appear at places at certain times, so they arrive there at specific times. And such on certain days. Um, I think the one at Sanctuary Hills is called Carla. She comes every now and again. Her Brahmin will get stuck on roofs and stuff. I'm wondering if it's going to be similar to that, but with more merchants. So you build this nice port and another No Man's Sky comparison. You know those landing pads you can make. I think yeah. that Starfield's going to have some of those. And you can build all these landing pads uh, for merchants. They land, and I think, yes, you can walk on that ship. You can steal stuff. It'd be like a mini house. And, you, and I think, yes, you can steal their ship. I think yeah. that's like very likely, but I don't know why you'd want to steal it. It might be a terrible ship, and then they could steal your ship. So is it worth it? Todd Todd did uh, mention in this interview. I think I don't want to jump way too far ahead, but he did when he was talking about that. He said something along the lines of. Uh, you can see ships coming and going, and he said something like, "You can't do anything." Right? Am I wrong? Didn't he say something like, you can't, there's nothing to do there, but it's cool to see uh, activity, um, something along those lines. But then again, he, he also did say that you can steal ships, but I, I think he might have been referring to stealing ships uh, whenever you're docked on and in um, space and stuff like that. So it's hard to tell. It's hard mm -hmm. to tell. I think you're right. And I, interesting. Yeah. It would be kind of a deviation from from that because like Lexi said, they usually account for all those things and you know these NPCs and objects and stuff are very um very tangible in the world no matter where they are. Um so for these things to just be kind of like uh facades almost would be new. Yeah. It'd be new. Yeah. Well, I mean in the same interview what was it this interview Todd said Starfield would be bigger than Elder Scrolls 6 well it was implied and people are like worried about that but I I'm gonna like put everyone's fears to rest again I don't think it's gonna be that bad remember Starfield is a thousand planets this game's gonna be a whole entire 50 light year area Elder Scrolls is that one province, and we might get two in Elder Scrolls 6, which would be massive, but we're probably only just going to get one, which at the moment is likely to be Hammerfell based off evidence in Skyrim, and then you've got the uh, crackpot theories, like the etching on the dashboard that are like <laughs> pulling huge straws. Um, well, there is something that I did want to 
I'll talk about later about the yeah. scale of Starfield versus Elder Scrolls Six because of what they're doing. Yeah, it's, as, as a test. Yeah. I I don't. It's going to be smaller in the sense Elder Scrolls is one region usually, but remember they're going to use this procedural tech, like the bigger scaled kind of stuff. So we're going to get a bigger map. I don't expect Daggerfall size. Right. Do they want people to lose their focus um, yeah. about the more dense and handcrafted areas? Because what I'm going off of is there was an interview with Todd um, a while back. Um, someone asked him about Elder Scrolls, and he said, if, you, if I told you what we were doing with the next Elder Scrolls game, you would ask me, how is that even possible? And he said, we're mm. working with things right now that um, that we're, we're testing the waters or something along those lines. But that is what I'm going off of. I don't know what interview it is, but that is what he said. He said, if you asked me and I and I told you what we're doing, you would say, how is that possible? And then we see Starfield and we see a thousand planets and all these systems and these in these massive planets that are like. You know, the size of, you know, again, No Man's Sky planets, we're assuming from what he said in this interview. Mm. And it does make you wonder. It's like, are they going to, I'm not saying Elder Scrolls Six is going to be, you know, all of Tamriel or all of Nern. It's just the whole planet because um, that's insane. But they could do multiple regions in, in the new one. But um, I don't know. It's interesting. It's an interesting thought just to see, you know, because they, even one region could be massive because we're yeah. we're in uh we're in a much um much more powerful uh, state with technology and what, what what can be done with with consoles and pcs now um mm -hmm. so there is a possibility i don't know yeah um i think in particular he said that in 2016 or 2017 i think it was 2016 um, that was the Xbox One and PlayStation 4 era. And if you know anything about their specs, I don't even think Starfield would run on last gen properly. Yeah. I, I think 76 was also not just because Zenimax wanted it, but because they, it would make Starfield possibly even like a proper next-gen title they didn't have to be restricted and i i believe i think i've talked to mitch about this elder scrolls 6 if it comes in 2027 it could be on the bridge of next gen and microsoft could even make it cross-platform uh, um cross-gen or they could make it a next box console launch exclusive mm. which would sell xboxes like wildfire and the pc version obviously i'm like that's insane power you're talking about the next generation potentially or even this generation is crazy obviously you have like the series s and that could hold hold it back Right. Yeah. I think that's sort of why there's a lot of talk about uh, mid-gen refresh right now mm. because of how long it took for, for 
you know, I, I say true next gen games, but really next gen only games that come out. It, it was, it was a good bit after, after launch that people. I talked to so many people over, over the past few years that say I don't have a reason to buy it yet, and that's not good. It's not good when people are saying, you know, what's there, and the talk has always been, you know, well, it, it's there. There are things coming. You know, and then Starfield gets revealed, and it's like that's why I, that is why I'll buy an Xbox. Yeah, and you know, it's not the same for everyone else, but that is a good point where technology is limited. So with Starfield being out for, you know, we're thinking, on you know, oh. four years from now, then then we're three years away potentially from the Xbox Three or whatever. You know, yeah. Um, Morrowind and Oblivion. They were supposed to be Xbox launch titles. Morrowind was supposed to launch with the original Xbox, if I'm remembering right. And Oblivion was a, was like the killer app for outside, like I don't know, Gears of War or um, stuff like that for the Xbox 360. And Oblivion got delayed. Morrowind got delayed, so they didn't become the launch hits, but they did become. They were a reason a lot. Those two games were like a reason people bought an Xbox, especially yeah. especially Oblivion. Yeah, because it ran like garbage on the yeah. PlayStation Three. Um, but the PlayStation Three version didn't even exist then. Uh, three sixty. Yeah, it was just three sixty for like a whole year. But I don't believe. Oh, you you are right. Yeah, okay. Yeah. yeah, you're. That is that is so weird to think about. Back before the competition wasn't. Yeah, neck yeah. and neck. That is interesting. You're right. Yeah, yeah. I remember that. Yeah, and, and Morrowind, and, um, of course, like you said, was just PC and Xbox back then. So there was always, you know, some sort of partnership there. Yeah, it does make the the acquisition and all that seem like kind of a no-brainer. Yeah. But, uh, I, I, I used to always think, when I first played Skyrim in 2013 or whatever, I remember thinking Microsoft owned it. I I wasn't a very I wasn't a smart kid. I was uh, an Xbox fanboy, you could say, and uh, yeah, that wasn't a great time. There's a difference between being not not smart and uh, just uninformed. <laughs> I I was very misinformed. There you yeah. go. I was. You I don't was, know what you don't know. That's that's all it is. Yeah. I was a die diehard Xbox. The last little bit of news we got from the podcast is that some ships like cargo freighters will contact you in space. So it's not always immediate combat when uh, when you encounter another ship. Um, so this will give a lot of credence to things like the diplomat background, where you can talk your way out of ship combat by using the comms uh, in space. So that's pretty cool. I'll give you 15,000 credits to not raid my ship because you're like smuggling Aurora. And if they smuggle it, you're just going to lose like 200 grand's worth of Aurora. You're saying you've got to smuggle. You've got to smuggle Aurora. You've got to smuggle Aurora. You know, you're behind on your mortgage. You need to make some money. Exactly. Yeah. Little side hustle. Smuggling the Aurora. <laughs> you get the space police on you and they'd like dock to your ship, but you have to hide all the evidence. That'd be cool. That'd be that'd be really cool. 
I don't know if you guys yeah. have uh, started playing Callisto Protocol yet, but that, it reminded me of that. Um, no, I, I I haven't. Oh man, that game's. I don't want to go on tangent, but in the in the beginning, um, this isn't a spoiler, but there's you got you 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 can go down to a to your ship's cargo hold, and there is it's sort of implied that there's there's you're smuggling something, um, and uh, in the beginning of that game. All I could think about was Starfield because you you get out of your cockpit and you walk around your entire ship and you go down these corridors and then there's the cargo bay and I was like, oh my god, if this is anything like Starfield, ah, so so excited after playing that. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> so the the cargo, uh, the freighter is contacting you and stuff. That's I I don't think it's gonna be where. You know, I'm sure that if you did want to trade something, that there would be the docking sequence, and then it would be plus five wood, and you know what I mean. And then you just undock, and it's and it's done. I don't think it's going to be as in depth as you dock on, you get out of your seat, you climb up the ladder, you you meet up with them. Um, I mean, I guess that could be cool too, but we're not going to be seeing Vasco bringing things in and out, um, that kind of stuff. I think. If we did dock onto them and then walk up and meet them, and then we talk to them and say, you know, and they're, you know, what are you buying? What are you selling? You know, it's, it's literally going to be that character. And uh, it's just like a, an inventory, like a store UI. Um, it could be something like that, but there's a lot of possibilities there. This is a problem that Bethesda could definitely work around if they needed to. But there is the question of um, transitioning from the artificial gravity of one ship to the other. Because you could dock onto a ship in such a way that up on your ship is not up on the other ship. So when you go through the, the airlock or the hatch or whatever, you like fall and land on your face because you came in through the ceiling or whatever. So I, I, per, I think the docking sequence turns off the gravity. Oh, yeah, that'd fix it. Are you? I'm confused. Are you saying because you're you're floating? So you're you're saying that you would stop moving essentially? Because both ships have their own gravity and they're both upside down. So Mm -hmm. when you move to another ship and you get caught by that gravity, you're just gonna fall from the ceiling. I always looked at that image, um, the one that I used for for the video that you are upright and so are they you're entering from the bottom does that make sense so yeah you're upright you're entering the their their bottom don't clip that out you're (laughs) you're you're getting you get what i'm saying i'm gonna go in a rabbit hole but that's the way i've always looked at it um we would have to assume then that that's how every docking is if right. uh, if they don't if they just want to avoid that gravity problem entirely then they would just put every docking port on the bottom i'm right. just uh, i'm just going to say for the record if you don't watch the docking sequence in third person you are uh, a starfield psychopath <laughs> if you're like first... sat in first person while it docks and you're just hearing the clinking and clanging. You're like, is it is it done? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Go for the person. Like, just watch it. Yeah. Well, if you had a, 
a couple thoughts about like uh, ships, right? Yeah, so I'll run through this because this is the only Todd. Todd, listen to me. This is the only question that I have. I don't know if you can hear me, but can we walk around our ship while it's in space? And I don't mean um, FTL travel and, and all that. I mean, anytime, no matter what we're doing, can we get out of our seat and use our ship as a home away from home? Because it would, it seems so I, I I just cannot see a world where this is not a thing. And I've talked to death about it on Reddit. And there has been so many posts on Reddit. I've seen just tons of people asking this question. Um, it would not make sense for you to have an entire ship with people on it doing all these, these, these things. And you have, you know, I'm, I'm assuming you'd have workbenches in a, in a, um, in a bed, in a, you know, everything that you would have in a small home that you, you know like in fallout you know all the things that you can interact with just to be able to interact with those things while you're landed it just seems so and i know i'm not trying to make this into like a uh um give us everything and anything but the ship is a huge part of a of any space sci-fi anything tv show anything and it's all i mean even mass effect um, mass effect is my favorite IP of all time and you're in space and you're walking around your um, your ship while it's just chilling in space and then whenever you travel the traveling is boom done it little 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 sequence and you load into a new system or whatever that to me and Star Citizen does do this by the way and that's why um, I'm so I'm this it's all that I, it's all that I want. Like my dream game is like, get out of your cockpit, take care of business, an alarm goes off, and which means that you're going to be attacked. So you better get to your your cockpit within five minutes, which is just like a gamified timer, you know, because within two seconds you'd be destroyed. Um, <laughs> but you know what I mean. Um, I don't know. I don't know if that if that sets up the question because that is that I want that so bad just to be able to get out of your seat at any time, at any time, pretty much, especially in space. We've seen concept art of, um, uh, I think there was a character sitting in a window, and you could see the stars outside of the window. Um, yeah, I want that so bad. There's one piece of evidence that I will bring up that kind of goes counter to your wishes which is that in those different modules that you could select to add onto your ship it looked to me like the clutter in those was preset so like there wasn't much you could do with it like in i think in the ideal version of starfield you can hand place all the clutter items in your ship like you can a house like you can drop things and have like crap all over the floor of your spaceship if you want but the, the modules themselves seem to come with clutter. And I don't know, for, to me that just said perhaps there's a lower degree of, of interactability or a lower amount of time that you'll be spending in those modules to, to make them your home. So I don't know, but there's that. Right. I can, I can totally see where um, a pre, prefab, if you will, of, of a module that you put on your ship. It's like, here, here's, here's the, the, the bathroom, here's the, and it comes with a toilet and all this, all this stuff. 
And then here's like a lounge room and it comes with a table and a couch and whatever. I can see that happening. Um, but there, I'm trying to think that I remember there's, we saw like a lab ish area. Then we saw like the command center bridge, if you will. Um, and remind me if there was any sort of casual area that we, that we saw, like if, if our ship is already preset to, um, there are three hallways, if you will. One's in the middle. That's the bridge that leads up to the cockpit. And on either side, you got the lab looking thing. And then one other, one other block. Um, it just, my, I guess my main thing is I'm just, it would feel really limiting, um, for us to have to land to access anything in our ship. So if I had if I had something that I wanted to craft and I'm all the way up in space and I go, ugh, I gotta I need to I need to access the workbench on my ship. Let me fly all the way down to a planet, land, turn everything off, and then get out. Um That's all. That's all. I don't think that we'll be able to place chairs and um space cats on our um on our ship by hand. I think that stuff might just come um, as we play, you know, I don't know. DLC, maybe. Yes. We just want cats, space cats. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. That's a, that's a valid question. Um, or docking too. Perhaps, uh, you don't have to land on the planet, but a stone's throw away is a spaceship that you have to dock on. But even then it's a maddening inconvenience when uh, yeah. so often you want to, you want to do stuff on the ship. Yeah. And it says, get up. And I've talked to people about this there, you know, whenever you're, you're docked onto somebody, um, there's the get up, there's the get, get in or board or, you know, there's something like go inside or get up and, or whatever. Yeah. A lot of what we saw when the ship was floating in space was the third person note. There was no HUD and I've argued with people. They said, Nope, what you see is what you get. No, there was no HUD. There was there was no HUD there. That HUD was turned off. And I'm I'm betting that once you slow down completely, there that you can. I'm ho- hoping that you can still hold the B button and get up at at any time. That that's what I'm thinking. But we just don't know because we didn't see the HUD turned on. Um, yeah. Yeah, I I think it, yes in every scenario, but combat. Right, exactly. Yeah, you're locked. If you yeah. if you start getting attacked, you're not going to be like, "Hang on. Hang on. One second. Can you stop shooting me?" Oh, oh, sorry. Yeah, sorry. Go ahead. Grabs a cup of coffee, sits back down, takes a sip, takes a deep breath. Okay, now. Now now let's fight. Yeah, that wouldn't that wouldn't work. Sure, I agree with that. Why not let the player get up in the middle of combat and then you can hear your ships go down you can hear some explosions and then your whole ship explodes and you die because you weren't sitting in the cockpit you weren't paying attention right captain get back to the cockpit i kind of like the idea (laughs) just let the player live with their or die with their consequences the consequences uh, do you know what the funniest thing about that would be as soon as there's a a hole ripped in your ship it would go silent and the reason it would go silent yeah, because the vacuum would take over and all the sound would be gone. So there's sound and suddenly it's dead quiet. The last oh, thing you heard was the metal ripping apart. And then you just 
that are sucked out into space, so suffocating, and you can you hear nothing because you wouldn't hear in, in space. People right now in the comments are are screaming because they're they're screaming Mass Effect Two intro, and man, ah, uh, okay. I thought that was the end of one of the games until I played Legendary Edition. Yeah, that's that's one of the best opening to any game ever. It is so just cold open. What is happening? Oh my god, what just happened? I'm not gonna spoil for anyone who hasn't played it, but it's on Game Pass. Go download it right now. Uh, but yeah, that that's what that reminds me of. They they did such a good job of that. I think. Um, are we ready to turn now to Tales of the, Tales from the Settled Systems? Talk a little about that. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, I forgot that was a thing. Yeah, <laughs> Honestly, I forgot. Um, to, yeah, I forgot about that. So yeah, recently we uploaded a new video to our YouTube channel called "Tales from the Settled Systems" episode one, "The Crimson Fleet Pirate." And it is something completely new from us, of course. It's the first video we've uploaded that's not a podcast. And um, that is all thanks to our special guest today, you, Red Wolf. Um, it, you came to us with the idea. We were hoping to do something in the neighborhood like it. But um, yeah, just uh, give us a little background info for where the idea came from and, and how that happened. Well, I mean, it, really, I think everyone knows there is the... the, the um, the lack of info, lack of anything Starfield, and people are just dying to not only play the game, but hear more about it, and we haven't had anything, and I thought it would be fun to make a project to sort of scratch that itch a little bit, um, using what we know as facts, um, uh, lore-wise, in in the Starfield universe. That way, it ages well, uh, because I didn't want to do something in in, you know, get to ahead of myself and, um, you know, uh, assume way too much. So that's why, um, I contacted you guys because Lorefield it's right in the name. And I was like, okay, let me, let me watch. So I, I, I watched and, and listened to you, to you all for, for a good while. Um, and I thought that it was a good fit. I didn't want to do uh, on my own channel. As I said, it was, it would not have been a good fit. It just wouldn't have made sense. Um, but I wanted to, I wanted people to look at this even like a year from now and say that can happen. That's a real thing that can happen uh, in the Starfield universe. And uh, I thought it thought that it would be interesting to start off with the bad guys because a lot of the times in um, in fiction, whether it's video games or movies or TV shows or books, uh, the villains aren't really humanized a lot, uh, like stormtroopers in in uh, in Star Wars. We know that not all the stormtroopers are bad. They just needed a job. They needed a, a place. Um, they needed to have a sense of meaning, like they were making a difference. Um, and that's sort of what I wanted to do with uh, the Crimson the Crimson Fleet, um, just have a story based around how the evolution of that character went from um, innocence and um, just uh, curiosity about what's out there in the galaxy and, and all that. And it tied in really well um, with the character idea that I had. So what... Mitch, what you what you uh, wrote um, was uh, just absolutely fantastic. I couldn't have I couldn't have uh, I couldn't have done that. <laughs> like I just I wouldn't have known where to begin 
Uh, so that was that was written so well. So all that all that credit goes to to you um, for that. Um, unless unless Lex had a hand in that, I I don't want to speak at a turn and say. No, uh, no, no, that was that was on Mitch. I I'm more uh, okay. You're I'm, the tech. I'm I'm yeah I'm more tech. Got you. Um, yeah, and so a lot of this stuff um, for anyone who hasn't seen, it, I won't spoil uh, stuff, but. Uh, a lot like the ending for example i did not write that down um it's just that i i read i read through the script so many times that at the uh, by the time it was ending it it felt too like and you know it, it i wanted to the, you know the human aspect i wanted to somehow bring a human aspect to the to the character rather than just you know oh he's a he's a badass and he's just man he's been through some 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 s he's been through the through an s storm um <laughs> and i'm trying not to swear uh and so the ending was um i ju i didn't write anything down i just sort of just said it and then it felt right and that was one take uh i felt that's and that's why the the comments of people being so nice it, you guys just don't understand how much that means because it was it was uh, really a passion project from all of us, and um, I'm just so happy with the way that it turned out. First of all, the, those kinds of kind words you said about the script absolutely made my day. And um, the project doesn't turn out as good as it does without your execution on the voice acting, because I sent it to my family and stuff, and all the feedback I got was like, holy crap, who recorded those lines? That, because that, the delivery was just so good. There, that was echoed a lot in our comments too but yeah the just Thank the outpouring you. of support we've gotten has been amazing and i'm so glad you reached out to us with the idea because a i don't think either of us would have been able to do as good a job voice acting and also with the visuals rolling the concept art in such an intuitive way i i'm not sure we would have been able to do either so yeah thanks again oh thank you i mean it was the i the voice acting that i typically do is um, it's not for fun. It's for work. So it's typically like, oh, first, first bank needs you for, you know, it's like just stuff that where I'm just reading a script and I'm not, I'm not a character. I'm just a voice. And it's a lot of it is just mundane. And I was like, man, this is, this is something that I'm really passionate about. I'm really excited about. Um, so it, it did give me a chance to get back into character voice acting again because there's there's a lot more and and for the people listening, there's a lot more coming and there's a lot more characters that um, that are that are on the way uh, that I can't wait to to be a part of that as well. Um, but yeah, thank you, thank you so much for the opportunity and thank you for the for the kind words and everyone that commented about that because. Um, yeah, after I, I and I'll listen to it. I've listened to it because uh, the the project it took me it took me hours and hours and hours to put together. So I've listened to it quite a bit. And um, at, after listening to it so many times, it it is it scratched my itch for for more Starfield stuff. Um, just after the fact, just re retrospect, just looking back at it and that all makes sense, you know, like, Oh, then there's Jemison. And again, like you're writing it, everything just, everything just fits so well. Um, and it, it did not feel like work and I got lost. I got totally lost. My, my PC kept crashing while I was editing. Oh, um, no. So I had to, I had to switch over to my girlfriend's MacBook, and, uh, which she's trying to 
get me on the MacBook train. I know people are people that that's that's where you work is a MacBook. Um, it kept crashing and crashing and crashing. I just kept going at it because I was just having such a good time with it. And um, yeah, just thank you to everyone who uh, who commented and and said all the the nice. You guys just don't understand how much that means. We also would um, would be remiss not to mention Lexi, your work on on the back end of making this a coherent thing on our YouTube channel, writing the, the series description and the thumbnail, which I love. I think yeah, that's thumbnail. You picked such a good shot of the the pirate with the gun. That turned out awesome. Yes. Um, ah. So you really you really set this up to to be a success. So um, credit to you for that yeah. as well. I I didn't realize that was some art from harry osborne because i took i took that screenshot from like the video editing software i that i used at the time which is um which was a uh, adobe premiere and someone on reddit pointed it out and they hope they credited it so i replied i said i didn't realize this i didn't you know write the script or anything i upload the videos um but I'll be sure to add credit because I didn't realize. And then I edit, added, and yeah, I added this art profile for it. Because... That it, didn't even know. occur to me. I, I Wait, that that picture is not Starfield? No, it's, it's, <laughs> it's fan art by Harry Osborne. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, it's... It's fan art of Starfield. It is the Crimson Fleet pirate. Yeah. But it's okay, okay. I was like, no, I feel so bad. I, I just, just uh, <laughs> oh man. Oh no, no, uh, it's fine. As soon as I, as soon as I, if I realize that we've used fan art and I haven't, quit, I will always make sure I add that. And like, admit I didn't know, but I'm definitely gonna add the credit now because that's what heroes yeah. do. What heroes do. That's what. Thor said in Thor Ragnarok. I'm I'm such a Marvel nerd. I'm sorry. <laughs> Wolf, you uh you alluded a little bit to the future of Tales from the Seven Systems. I thought maybe we could reveal who the next character will be. Yes. Um, I don't think we actually officially decided that, but I think the first the next idea we had after the Crimson Fleet Pirate was the Aquila City Guard. Yes, that was one of many <laughs> one of many yeah yeah see see audience right all my fellow travelers the free star collective fan always has to go first <laughs> I'm, jo I'm joking <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well i thought that would be a good one because you got the ashton in there which we know a little bit about oh i think right didn't, didn't... and then there's also the um the uh the uh, aspiring you know, kid, if you, if you equate it to, um, a young kid, you know, 17 and he wants to join the Marines and he's all excited and he finally gets to join and then, uh, doesn't turn out to be all, all, uh, uh, almost said guns and roses. That make that kind of makes sense. Guns and roses. Sure. Yeah. Uh, joining the, the United colony, uh, you know, stuff like that. Uh, we, there, there's, there's so many avenues um uh, but then the um the Aquila city guard uh i, I think there's I so many up. if there is anything that you guys the audience if you guys want to see please comment and and let us know because yeah. that would help yeah. um i would love to hear what people 
Um, I've always said you can live a hundred years and never have the same idea as another person being a hundred years old. Um, so I, you know, there's a lot of, there's, there's so many possibilities. Um, and who knows, we might get the release date. Um, game awards. Well, you might have the release date now, just depending on when this is up, but, but yeah. Yeah. I think a paramount goal for all of us is to stay true to the existing lore that like it could conceivably happen in the game to, to the highest degree possible with what we know. Right. Exactly. Which another thing that I love that you did with the script. Um, and a lot of people commented and said, Oh my God, I just realized you, you tied this in for people who haven't seen it. Um, but it ties in, it ties directly into Starfield and the revelation at the end of this log is very, um, it just makes you go, Oh, Oh man, that is, yeah. This changes my whole view on, on the, on the, on the outcome of, cause you can sort of fill in the blanks. Um, so yeah, it's, I, I'm, I'm really excited, but yeah, staying true to the lore and using all the information that we know as fact is really, really important with all this. That way, like I said before, it ages really well. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. and then, yeah, it feels like something that could happen to where you, you've put a hundred hours into Starfield and then you can come back to it and say, yeah, that, that is that that kind of makes sense so yeah so looking into the future be sure to keep an eye out for more of those tales from the settled systems videos we had a great time and you will definitely see more of those but as promised we will now finish up the rest of those traits that we saw in various starfield videos um this will be part two you can catch on our last episode part one of those traits where lexi and i Uh, looked at about half of the game's traits so we'll pick up with neon street rat you grew up on the mean streets of neon you gain access to special dialogue options and better rewards from some missions on neon crime bounty by other factions is greatly increased can't be combined with any other faction allegiance trait cyberpunk exactly i think this will be a popular one with some of those cyberpunk fans yeah uh, the the downside to this one so your crime bounty by other factions is greatly increased neon is just one city so in 99 of the other systems you're gonna have a way higher bounty on your head so okay you grew up on the streets of neon the mean streets so it's sort of like a give and take. It sounds, <laughs> yeah, it sounds like the negative here um, is just is simply just having the, the bounty and it's high risk, high reward kind of kind of feel that I'm getting from the um, like because people know who you are um, within the crime syndicate or whatever on Neon uh, or just I guess just factions in general that you get a higher bounty put on you, but you get better rewards. So getting rid of that would probably be something like going to a crime Lord (laughs) and being like, Hey, Hey, listen, listen, I gotta, gotta take care of this. And he's like, listen, you listen, no, no, you listen. And then you, you sort of hash out some kind of deal to where it removes your, your notoriety, um, in the, in the crime or the the street rat world um i don't know that's just how i'm that's how i'm looking at it 
That's so awesome. I love it. Like a mobster type thing. Yeah, exactly. Just gangster, because that's what it is, essentially. Especially when it's Neon Street Rat, that is totally cyberpunk. That is like, okay, you want to clear clear your name? Every time somebody hears your name, they're like, okay, get that dude, because he is a problem. And you're like, I want to stop. I want to stop this. Let, let's go talk. But then you'll lose your rewards, and you'll lose your, uh, your uh, maybe some a bit of relationship with... Um, or sorry, relationship, like, you know, dialogue options and all that. Um, yes, since you lose the special dialogue and you lose the better rewards, it sounds to me almost like you're you're divorcing, like, that, that crime yeah. syndicate. Like, I want out of this life sort of thing. Right, exactly. Had to change your heart. Yeah, yeah. I think, I, I, I don't know, because what I'm assuming is, when you do get a bounty, it's just higher for other factions. You will get penalized more. Because in the Freestyle Collective trait, it says the same thing. So I think I'm understanding would, that. Maybe it's like tied to, you know, because it does say that things are tied to a quest. So if you say that you want out of something, it'll probably be tied to like, okay, but some people aren't going to let you go like I am. So it's up to you, kid. You gotta you gotta deal with this. And then the mission is like having to wipe out uh, a very small sect of um of a faction. Not like it's not like you're wiping out the whole faction, but you know, there's sort of like a subsect within the faction that you have to take care of. And then it's like, okay, people get people get it now. Don't mess with you. You're good, get out of here, but I'm not giving you any more bonuses. Yeah, and and that was a good point, Lexi, that uh, Freestar Collective Settler is pretty much identical. Um, we can also assume that United Colonies Native is again identical. So instead of growing up on the mean streets of Neon, um, you gain access to special Freestar Collective or United Colonies dialogue options, better rewards from some missions given by that faction, but crime bounty towards other factions is greatly increased. So Neon, Freestar Collective, Aquila City, and United Colonies, New Atlantis, all have these parallel uh, backgrounds that you can pick that are incompatible with each other. So I guess we can kind of group all of these three into one discussion. So I think I think we're pretty spot on with how you get out of the Neon Street Rat background by like talking to to the big boss in Neon. Um, Freestar Collective. I mean, if you want to leave the Freestar, the way I'm thinking about this is Skyrim Civil War quest line. Let's say you want to. You're, you want to switch teams in the in the Civil War. Like, you talk to... Uh, not, uh... Was it Galmar Stonefist? Who was right underneath the... Yulfric Stormcloak? Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Sure. Yeah, so you talk to him, like... I, I think I want to leave the Stormcloak Rebellion. And... We'll just assume he doesn't kill you. <laughs> so you do some quest for him, and then you can... And then you're free to go over to the Empire or the United Colonies and join them. Okay. I wish that was actually an option in Skyrim. It would be cool. Yeah. I mean, I don't think they'd uh, be kind if you said, oh, I'm going to join the enemy team. And that NPC is like, oh, shit. The protagonist is switching sides. We're going to lose. 
Yeah, now every, he's learned so much, <laughs> and then he, you go to the other side. Well, it's uh, my only like gripe with the Civil War is I determine the outcome. It doesn't. There's no way for it to solve itself. I have to be involved. <laughs> and I know it's a video game. You know, like it's your playthrough. You're the protagonist. You get to make all the choices. Sometimes I don't want to make the choices. I'm, and maybe I'm like alone in that. And uh, I, I sometimes like the control. If I hesitate too much, I like the control to be taken at my hands. Because I am terrible at p making decisions. I agree with that. I think it ties into that whole simulation aspect of the Bethesda game where you want to feel like the world goes on without you. And I think the, the Civil War coming to a complete halt because you focus on something else kind of takes a bit away from that. Right, like, okay, he should have been here like like five hours ago. Everyone stop fighting. <laughs> All 600 of you just stop. He'll be here any minute. And, yeah. then, and then you show up and it's, yeah. Oh, it's oh, been 10 in-game years and they're just <laughs> waiting for you. Yeah, everyone's just like standing there just like having like cookouts and just like eating food and laughing yeah. and it's like oh sh oh he's here he's here all right be serious be serious act like you hate me and then yeah it's it's been 10 years they've been standing outside Windhelm for 10 years waiting for you <laughs> everyone has beards and are just <laughs> way older now <laughs> i have been waiting for you i'm kind of surprised that in this particular system system as in um, like game system they have equated essentially the united colonies freestar collective and neon i'm kind of surprised to see that they're giving neon that much credibility or power to be on the same level as freestar collective and and united colonies seeing as neon is just one city on one planet and these other two are multi-system alliances does that make sense yeah yeah i'm is there going to be a Crimson Fleet version of this, do you think? If there is, either it's not in the build we've seen. Yeah, that has to be it, because it would start with a C, which would be very high in the list, because it was, I think it was alphabetical. Yeah. Unless it has some other name at the, at the beginning, but the other... The other ones would suggest it doesn't. But that's that's an interesting point. Because there's no reason they can't add more. They already changed some. It's always evolving. This is this is exactly why Bethesda do not show. Or don't like showing yeah. so much so early. Because it keeps changing. People like us tear it apart. <laughs> right. And then and they then, bank on it. And then it changes. And then it's like... Oh. And then you get the community and they write all this they write an entire list of what was promised and what wasn't. What's what's impressive, uh, I bring this up before, in the Fallout 4 uh demo, there was one feature that was cut in that demo. Really? Yeah. Yes. It uh it was in the gameplay montage. The I think it was the Atomon Baby one. There's an option to jump out the vertibird. That's not in the final oh. game. That got cut. <laughs> that is the only example that I remember. Never would have guessed that. 
they even um, edited the intro. Codsworth's dialogues was cut. I don't know if the footage was cut or they actually uh, changed the dialogue for that demo because it cuts out any mention of Sean, which is understandable because they didn't want to talk plot. Interesting. Yeah, I, I had no idea that they, there was an option to jump out of the vertebrate. Yeah, they probably cut it because you'd die unless you're in power armor. There's a mod that adds it back yeah. in, and you should all download that mod. I don't know if it's on Xbox. It's on PC. And it's the funniest That's... thing you can do, because the vertebrate will just continue on its path, and you just do the weird fall animation and fall out. Uh, Professor Games, they never have a great fall animation. Never. You always do that wacky animation when you fall. You're kind of like frozen. Yeah, you're you're just air. you're just wafting your arms in the air. You're not doing much. <laughs> you're not yeah. you know you're not rolling around. You're not uh, freaking out. Yeah, screaming and yeah, yelling and kicking. And, you're constantly yeah, yeah. doing the pencil dive, like yes. worshiping the air. Yeah, it's very stiff. The whole game does feel stiff. Um, I think Fallout Four was the only game where. Uh, from from Bethesda that whenever you were you were idle without a weapon out that your character would actually turn completely around you could actually move more freely or at least it looked more free moving if you know what I mean and then and then Fallout, Fallout 76 being the next iteration or, or the most recent Bethesda not BGS but you know Bethesda Fallout game um, they went back to the stiff the old school stiffness yeah that that's that's I'm interested because um, the Crimson Fleet question when it comes to crime and bounties. I just I just feel like the Crimson Fleet, and I'm not being biased, I think that the that the Crimson Fleet um is just is gonna be a big part of the game, at least a, a good section of the game. So I can see why if it's tied to the main story, why there wouldn't be a whole lot of um, bonuses attached to something that's I'm trying to figure out how to say what I'm trying to say you can join different factions but with the Crimson Fleet joining them if you had a bonus and then you tried to get rid of that bonus and it's tied to the story I feel like it would put a it would sort of put a speed bump in your progress if you said never mind i don't want to do this i want out and then it just screws up the flow of the story so maybe that's why that's just not there at all i don't know hmm. the, well the crimson fleet i feel like would be certainly an enemy of freestar collective united colonies we pretty much know that from uh emil emil's letter is what we always call it um, yeah. Neon, I feel like the Crimson Fleet and Neon could potentially have a friendlier relationship because of Neon and Aurora and all that stuff. Neon seems a little more uh, friendly to to that type of behavior. But um, I've gotten a sense so far that it seems a little like everyone versus the Crimson Fleet. And then there's some other, some other battles going on. But yeah, I, I don't know how they fit into all that. Yeah, I'm interested to see how that plays out because different criminal factions don't always mean that, you know, notorious. I mean, in real life, criminal factions are usually uh, 
against each other and they have certain understandings like you mentioned Aurora and Crimson Fleet if they're smuggling that for them and bringing it to Neon or whatever Crimson Fleet is probably on top of the criminal um yeah uh, food chain mm. when you actually when you said Emil's letter oh, that takes me back uh, it was only a few months ago as well um <laughs> with that I just thought of a meme that could be stemmed from that. United Colonies sleep when uh, it's a three-star collective problem. Crimson Fleet set footholds in the UC territory. They're like, wake up and they're like, sound the alarms, get the UC Vanguard, get the Sistef on it. <laughs> we, must sure, rid this, yeah. we must rid this menace, but they have no interest if they're not in their territory. That is true, yeah. They're like, yeah. haha, our yeah. enemy is dealing with the spread. Oh, oh shit, <laughs> they're in our territory. I like that. Yeah, it seems like there's a lot of work going into the, the political relationships of all these different factions. It, it seems like it's almost going to be like a big web that'll take some time to piece together. So that's one thing I'm really excited about. We've got some religion traits, and I think... The yeah, we can group these three together as well. Um, so we have raised enlightened, raised universal, and then serpents, serpents embrace. Serpents embrace is a little different from the other two, but uh, for raised enlightened and raised universal, you either grew up as a member of the enlightened or as a member of Sanctum Universum. You gain access to a special chest full of items in the house of those two places, both in New Atlantis but you lose access to the other house. So if you choose Raised Enlightened, you get a chest full of items in the House of the Enlightened in New Atlantis, but lose access to the Sanctum Universum chest in the House of Sanctum Universum, and vice versa for Raised Universal. You can't combine those two with each other. And then we have Serpents Embraced, which cannot be combined with either of those, which is you grew up worshipping the Great Serpent, Grav Jumping provides a temporary boost to health and endurance, but health and endurance lowered if you don't continue jumping regularly like an addiction to grab jumping so one of those is not like the others so good these just seem like pointless traits to me and that's going to be subjective i don't think the 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 downside like what's that chest got that's really yeah, going to be worth it that's the key. It's it's all on what is in those chests. Yeah, and the serpents embrace are worshiping a serp. The greats are that. That sounds like a cult right there, but an addiction to grav jumping. I mean, to be fair, let's let's be realistic. If you had the ability to do a grav jump, you'd get addicted to it. You'd, oh, yeah. you'd have way too much fun. Get pushed back in your captain's seat. Nothing like it. The adrenaline you'd feel from every jump. Oh my god. That'd be amazing. So this... Okay. When you said let's be realistic, I thought what you were going to say was let's be realistic. In a, in a Bethesda game, isn't everyone consistently, constantly jumping? all the time to get up mountains and get over things. Is that what we're talking about when they say grav jump? I think we're talking about jumping to light speed from one system to another. 
Okay, I've never heard it. I've never heard <laughs> grab jump. I'm like, okay, if I'm just like jumping around, <laughs> like, please, Mister Mister Starfield, can you uh, or what? What are the, what are they gonna call us, by the way? John Field Star. That's a great question. I've spent a lot of time pondering it, and I have no idea. John the Starfielder. Star yeah. John the Starfield. Field. <laughs> the Field Star. The Star. Starman. Yeah. There's always that name for the protagonist. We don't. Right. Know. Yeah. Right, it, it's it's either people are thinking it's Traveller now because Todd keeps talking about Traveller, tra- uh, Traveller, the old game he grew up on, I guess. I like that. I like. That. Or it's from that book in the twenty one, twenty one trailer, where Spacefarer. Spacefarer, I, I like Spacefarer. Yeah, I can hear that Spacefarer. I mean. Traveler or Spacefarer is sort of because I feel like Traveler seems like a much more humble title. Uh, Spacefarer is kind of like sellsword in a way, uh, like it could just kind of mean a lot of different things. They're just wandering. Traveler kind of just seems like a humble. I'm using the word humble because it's not like Nerevarine or. Uh, a Dragonborn, it's not like a very aggressive title, either one of those. Mm. Um, or the um, Hero of Kvatch. That's right, the Hero of Kvatch. I forgot about that. I was like, what was it in Oblivion? Well, <laughs> Oblivion's weird because you have two titles in the whole game. When you get to Kvatch and you save Kvatch, which you can do literally as soon as you exit the sewers, um, you get the title, you're the Hero of Kvatch. And that's what you're known as. But when you beat the game, you become the champion of Cyrodiil. And then, right. and then, uh, spoilers, you become Shigorath in the last DLC. <laughs> yeah. So three titles, one game. It was just Shigorath's journey. You know, that was just, that's all the entire, that's all of Oblivion is. Essentially, <laughs> Shigorath 2's origin story. So I think we would agree that dropping one of these traits, raised enlightened, raised universal, or serpent's embrace, would just be like denouncing your religion, your religious affiliation. The question then, I guess, is can you pick up another one? My guess would be no. No, I uh, switching religions is never that easy. Well. Uh... No. <laughs> I mean, you can't just be a Christian and just wake up, oh, I'm going to be uh, Jewish now, or I'm going to be uh, Muslim. Like, there's a process to it. Because it's, you know, different beliefs. Well, Christianity and uh, being Jewish is... They're not, they're not that distant from each other. They come from the same stem. One believes in only the Old Testament and the other believes in the Old and New Testament. I'm no religious expert, so uh, I get stuff wrong. Please don't scold me. Raised Universal seems to be one of those. Um, you know how whenever you you get uh, you get DLC for a game, you buy a season you buy a season pass for the game, and then it's like you you get the starting content. And it's like it's gonna it's gonna be sick for the first five levels, and after that it's like, ugh, well, that was in retrospect that kind of didn't 
Help me for too long. I think that the Rays Universal, it seems like the bonus there, having just a special chest full of items. Um, I guess both of those are just, you know, Enlightened and Universal are sort of... I don't know, like, we would just get a weapon, like a, a not like a, like a sweet, shiny pistol with a cool helmet, and the other one is a sweet, shiny helmet with a cool pistol. And because enemies don't scale with us, how long are those going to be useful, right? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Because, I mean, I, uh, I played a game recently, and I, bought, I spent an extra $25 on it just to get the... Um, extra suits and stuff like that and it was awesome and and then three hours later I leveled beyond those weapons and it wasn't it wasn't worth it so I think it's I think it's traits like these that Bethesda looked at it and said but they don't have to they don't have to uh, stick with this what if they could, you know I, I feel like this is a perfect example of, of having the option to say never mind I'm out I like that Yeah. And then, as you said earlier, there's some risk reward with that because you'll lose access to the chest. But then can you just loot the chest and drop the trait? And then you I think you can. You you keep the positive of the trait, which is all the contents of the chest. But then you, you lose the negative. You mean I... like uh, just grabbing the chest and saying and praying and then grabbing everything out of the chest and then running away and throw off your cult robes and. Yeah, you're out. If you have the the contents of the chest, I don't know how they can take that away. Okay, okay. Here's my like hypothesis for this. Choose neither. Wall clip into the room, and then loot the chest, and then wall clip out. <laughs> I like that. Oh yeah, console commands will render. Yeah, the they, they, they can lock a door. I don't care. I'm I'm walking. I don't know if you guys ever mentioned this. This is really off topic. Uh, are you guys playing on? Are you going to be playing on console or or PC? I will. Uh, Mitch will. I will be playing on both. But I all my gameplay footage will be captured on PC. I'm like saving up for a new graphics card just so I can. At least give people 1440p gameplay. Awesome. I was always curious about that. I, I I'm also on console, um, so that's I was just curious. Mm. Yeah, Series X for me. Yeah, I've got a Series X too. I I barely use it though. I <laughs> um I only play. I play PlayStation exclusives. Um. And I and I love PlayStation's exclusive. Well, besides, besides one that I, that won't be named because I don't want to get your channel canceled. Uh, <laughs> but you can, clip, you can clip that out. <laughs> but, uh, no, the uh, I I, lo I do love PlayStation ex exclusives, but I, but I do primarily play on Xbox. Um, and I think it's just because I grew up with it. Um, you know, you, you heard my origin story. Um, but I will play on PC for the same reason that I play on PlayStation for exclusivity. I think I'm going to play uh, Redfall on my Xbox, though. Just to get some use out of it. 
But Starfield, I'm going to play on both, but capture all my footage on PC. Because, um... It's just easier, and I can play at 60 frames without having to worry about performance mode or, you know, graphics mode. Because I, I hate playing at 30 frames. I get a massive headache. Especially if it's like Fallout 4. There's something about 30 FPS on Fallout 4 that just gives me a headache in like 20 minutes. Hmm. I think it's... It has bad frame times. That's what I've always pulled it down to. The frame times aren't consistent. But you are getting the 30 frames. Because even the 60 FPS mode gives me headaches sometimes. Yeah, I'm, I've... I'm in a really weird uh, place with frame rate. Um, I'm like... I'm like... Right there with Todd Howard... I've talked to a lot of my friends and, and people that I know. Um, I'm a big movie guy. And there's something about certain games feel and look way better at 60. And, and just to preface all this, everyone should have the choice, I think, especially now in this next-gen um, era that we're in. I don't think anyone should ever be forced to play 30. Um, I think that is... That just needs to be the standard. Yeah. I just there are certain games that I prefer in sixty versus um, cinematic games that just feel more filmic. And I get it; you're not watching the game; you're playing the game, and I totally understand that. Um, I I honestly prefer thirty-five to forty frames with third-person games, for example. First-person games to me feel a lot better at a higher frame rate. Um, and I don't know why that is. I don't know what that is. I think I really think it just comes from just a cinematic part of my brain that just it everything looks kind of slippery and kind of odd in sixty with thirty. And again, maybe it's because I'm old, um, <laughs> but I, I am seventy-seven years old, uh, so that's probably something to do with it. But that's why I like that Bethesda gives you the option for first and and, and third person um, because people. Can, can sort of switch that up and, and mess with it. Um, but Todd is very, he's very adamant about, I like 30 frames because it's cinematic. He's been saying it for forever, especially when, when Starfield was revealed at 30 frames. And then um, someone that I follow that I love, um, uh, Cold Eastwood, a shout out, Cold Eastwood. Um, he actually did a video where he upscaled um, the reveal for Starfield and he upscaled it to 60 frames and showed what that would have looked like. Um, and it looked great. It looked great. It, it it just didn't have the... For me, personally, just my opinion, it just didn't have that filmic punch to it. Um, but, yeah, it, it just depends for me with frame rate. It just depends on what type of game it is. But I think that everyone should have the option, just like first and third person. Cyberpunk. <laughs> Interesting. I, I fully agree, first of all. I, I can't remember who it was that initially made this comparison, but I've heard before that the wrong game at 60 frames per second feels like a soap opera. It's just Thank kind of you. awkward. Thank you. It's like the British, like British, no offense. Like, it's like the British television it runs at a, a much higher frame rate. Um, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I, I'm, I believe that 
a lot of like European televisions are set at a um, at a standard higher frame rate that you'll have to change. My friend got got a very ch- uh, a very nice TV for a much cheaper price because he bought it um, out of, out of America. It got shipped um, got shipped here, and the standard was a much higher frame rate. And the first time that I ever saw Game of Thrones, I went and this was back in 2013. Um, I went over to uh, went over to my friend's house and they were watching Game of Thrones and it just everything looked slippery and weird and I was like what's what is this and they're like it's Game of Thrones and I was like why has it looked weird and this was back before I under I didn't understand why it looked weird to me and it's because yeah. it was running at like 55 frames per second and I was like I don't know how to describe it. like it looks normal to me they were just acclimated at that point they had been watching it for so so long. Um, but, but yeah, it's 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 interesting for each yeah, each person. Yeah. There are certain TVs, and I think it's the AI ones. They do exactly how what you just described with films and such. It looks weird, but I kind of dig it. I've always wanted to watch film in sixty frames, but I don't want to, you know, break the law to do it. Yeah, I think I just outed my friend. I don't. I don't. Uh, I guess he maybe he broke the law. Um, but um, <laughs> those TVs are like two thousand. So yikes! Oh, whoopsie! Derek, damn it, Derek! That's not his name, but <laughs> two two grand for a TV. Like you could buy an RTX forty ninety. Well, I mean, you couldn't with all these scalpers buying them, but you know, I'm not gonna buy that for video content and that graphics card because that thing is over overkill. You can play games at like 4K, 120 hertz, ultra set. Like, what? Right. That's it's ridiculous. Unless you've like const you video edit daily, and you're constantly you know rendering stuff, you. Your game's never going to really need that. And not to mention the thing's huge. Sorry, I'm rambling about a piece of metal. It could be said that we don't have the endurance to handle a game with too low a frame rate. So, fortunately, there's the spaced trait. Where your how's that for a segue? Your body has become acclimated to space. Health and endurance are increased when in space, but decreased when on the surface. This can't be combined with terra firma, so we can assume then that your body has become acclimated to being on a planet with terra firma. Health and endurance should be increased when on the surface and decreased when in space. So we'll do spaced and terra firma as a pair. The interesting thing here is, how do you get rid of this seemingly naturally acquired acclimation to being in space or on the surface? Gravity chamber, like Dragon Ball Z. You just gotta get in there... You gotta kill enemies for a full hour and a half straight. Uh, there's gonna be a character come in, and he's gonna his name is gonna be uh, I don't know whatever Goku is backwards, and he's gonna come in there. He's gonna train you, and you're gonna get used to uh, uh, the new gravity. You get used to it. That would be Ucog. So U- Ucog, yes. <laughs> I'm I'm gonna make a, like a dark joke uh, with this. Not too dark. Please. Um, your body has become acclimated to space. Now, you know those NASA training things? 
I think that means you got locked in one of those for too long. <laughs> so that thing that just spins around to spins get you. Spins around. And yeah, yeah. <laughs> you get left in that for like five weeks. Right. <laughs> yeah. So maybe what I said isn't as silly uh, without the Dragon Ball reference, but yeah, something like a gravity chamber challenge. Maybe they're like, okay, you got to get rid of it. You got to go into this. So you move really slowly. Um, and you got enemies coming at you, and you're you're sort of trying to, you know, defeat, you know, complete this challenge while, while at, a, at a slower speed or something, and then you come out and you're you're healed. Your mind goes to something like a like a scientist, where you partic participate in an experiment that mm -hmm. makes you more acclimated to being on the surface, or vice versa, whatever the opposite of the trait you have is, and then you can get rid of it that way. Uh, I like that. Something, something just popped in my head, an idea for this. It says accumulated to space. But what if it means you've been accumulated to zero G, where there is no gravity? That's what I, and is that what it means? The way it's worded says to me that even when there's a grav, you would still have the increased health and endurance. I don't, I don't think artificial gravity would be the same. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. Whether that's like, <clears throat> excuse me, because it's like a weaker strength or just different in nature. When I read this, the, the gameplay demo that we saw was obviously not everything in the entire game. Clearly, that's, that's just obvious. This to me it sort of speaks on gameplay segments that are, we're going to be a part of much more than I think we think that we are. Because what we did see is our our uh, our player character floating around shooting things a la dead space um in zero g floating around this to me sounds like you're acclimated to space meaning you're you're buffed while you're in space so that doesn't does that also mean that when someone attacks you and they board your ship and you're you're in space you're going to be buffed then you're obviously gonna, you're going to be buffed whenever you're um you know, in those segments that we saw where you're floating around. This says to me that a lot of this is, this is going to be happening quite a bit and that a lot of the times you're going to be vulnerable because moving around in space is going to feel a lot more awkward, obviously, than just moving around on foot. And then getting boarded is another, it's kind of an inconvenience. <laughs> Having pirates jump on your ship, you know, you could be buffed then too. So that's, I'm wondering if that, that counts that ca you know whenever you're in space and being in your ship one, th one thing i really like about these two traits is that you can be very strategic about which one you take if either of them so if you know that you aren't good as a player at controlling your character in the zero g you would want to take space so that you have increased health and endurance in that situation i, I think this can be very personalized from one player to another i think that's really neat uh, when it comes to zero G, as long as the controls aren't inverted, I'm happy. You know, like sometimes in like games where flights, flight controls are inverted, so down is up and up is down. Yeah, I usually turn that off like, right away. I've grown so accustomed to that, but I don't like inverted look. I don't know how people play with inverted look. So you're like, uh, 
look around stick is inverted. The down is up and up is it's, it, that's that's I don't know how people play that. I grew up playing uh here I'm dating myself again. Uh playing uh Battlefront, the original Battlefront games. Oh nice. Yeah. And uh they were by default inverted. <laughs> and um so I suck at like battlefield flying. Um because it's much more technical. Um, that's a weird comparison, but I have to play inverted flight. It's like my brain, because I was so young whenever I played those games, inverted is like the only way uh, for me to play fly flying games whenever there's an option to, to change it. A lot of the times it is by default, like you guys said, because it, it is, um, um, I don't know, your brain, I don't know. My brain is weird when it comes to that. But yeah, I, I guess I am the weird one that, that prefers the inverted. Sure, yeah. I, I think there was... That's been like... The end. The industry kind of trends together with that sort of thing. Like I've noticed in recent years, games have done the non-inverted. And in the past, they always did the inverted. It's been kind of interesting to see that. Yeah, I've... I've only become accustomed to it because of Grand Theft Auto Five. And I love flying planes in that. I cannot wait for GTA 6. But uh, Starfield's my priority. And I'm probably not going to see GTA 6 till, what, 2024 at the earliest? Can't believe GTA 6 is going to come before Test 6. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But, crazy, man. but that means that, that um, that's kind of a good thing because you, you don't want them releasing near each other. Like, yeah. these are the two That's biggest true. anticipated games. And Star Citizen fans will exclaim, their game is the most anticipated, is also a most anticipated game. I don't, uh, I'm going to be on. I don't think Star Citizen's going to come Star out. Star Citizen, it's a, I'm sorry, never mind. I don't want you to cut anything else out. I'll just shut up. <laughs> <laughs> no, let him have it. Let him have it. Star Citizen is not a game. It's a scam. Stop paying for it. Stop. Stop it. Everyone stop. You stop what it. you're doing right now. Walk outside, take a deep breath, come back in, and just sit down. And just... You have Starfield right around the corner. There's no need to keep doing that. Yes, and I understand I... you people, before you come at me and say, you don't need, I, don't, I'm not, I, don't, I haven't paid a single dime for that. That's good. That's fine. Then keep playing Star Citizen, but stop funding it it is not going to come out as long as you keep paying thousands of dollars for pixels <sighs> i'm sorry well that's the last episode of the uh Slurfield podcast <laughs> <laughs> i think that that will be a good a good way to end on the spaced trait yeah, because I just got spaced by the by the audience here. <laughs> you spaced Cloud Imperium into the middle of next week. Yep. So those are the that was the last of the traits that we know about. Either that we have directly seen the description, or we know because of an incompatibility with another known trait um, that we can like infer what the trait does. We have two that we have seen the name of but know nothing about, and those are Taskmaster and Unwanted Hero. I, I don't even know where to start with Taskmaster. That that sounds like you can like do multiple quests at once, but that's kind of a standard feature with BGS games now. The first thing that comes to mind with Taskmaster 
it sort of says jack of all trades. Yeah, yeah, I was going to say that. Yeah, yeah, so what does that mean? What does that imply? If you're a jack of all trades, assuming that that's sort of the implication, what does that mean? Does that mean that if you're a taskmaster, you start with a plus five for a, every single skill or a plus two, you know, so, you know, because that's a lot. It's a lot if it was like okay, a okay. huge bonus. Th this is what it will mean. You're good at everything, but you're also good at nothing. So you level up slowly, but you start off good with plus five to everything. Maybe something like that. This discussion changes course entirely with a Google search. Task. Oh. The definition of a taskmaster is a person who imposes a harsh or onerous workload on someone else. So I think this is about you as a ship captain and how you treat your crew. Uh, Vasco gets the golden treatment. He's plus. He's plus one. He's my co-captain. Everyone else is peasants. So maybe like you need a smaller crew to make your ship run properly, because you impose a harsh and onerous workload on the few crew members that you have. Okay, I'm gonna have to Google this too. Okay, wait. D sorry, read it one more time. <laughs> A person who imposes a harsh or onerous workload on someone else. See, I'm thinking Marvel's Taskmaster. <laughs> I feel like that's where my head goes immediately. Like, yeah, yeah. everything. It's even a biblical term um, that is translated to mean oppressor, task, uh, raiser of taxes, chief of the burden. So somebody who brings a lot of work to other people. So that maybe okay, maybe what it means, we know that we can have a crew on a ship that doesn't necessarily mean companions because a crew is a lot different than companions. Mm -hmm. You know, Garrus from Mass Effect, Tali and all that. Maybe it means that there is a higher output of resources uh with the crew that you have on your ship. So like you had you hire scientists and you hire um, crew that has gives you intel or you know whatever the resources will be that come out of your ship maybe there's a higher output um, from that but a, a lower respect or you know reputation um, that you that's your penalty maybe so like your your outposts as well not just your ship um, yeah. you get a, you get a lot more resources but then maybe you know we don't we don't know a whole lot about the NPCs that are at your settlement. Do they get you know? In Fallout Four, there was a morale uh, meter, which no one liked, by the way, and that meter was broken for a very long time. I don't know if it's still broken, but no one would, no one could ever be completely happy. Mm. Um, but if there was something like that and in, in implemented into Starfield, and you had a you had a much higher yield. Uh, for resources, but what would the penalty be if that was the case? I'm I'm genuinely worried about the settlement system. Not in a oh, wow. oh it's gonna suck or you know blah blah blah. It's it's um it's worrying to me. In the I think I heard that if you leave settlers to do their own thing, they will build stuff. I could be just like I had a dream and I just thought of that and then I thought it was actually said, but that'd be cool. 
Yeah. I, I'd be annoyed because they build a house. I'm like, no, I want to build my house there and dock it down. <laughs> <laughs> I, I could be very wrong on that. And, you know, Mandela effect, false memories. Mm. I don't recall hearing it, but there's been quite a bit of material at this point that I could have missed it. Yeah, he was, it's the section where they're talking about the settlements and he says you can leave them to it. And that sounds like Sim Settlements, which is a great mod. You should check out Sim Settlements for Fallout 4, by the way. But, yes, yeah. that is a great mod. Yes. I talked to one of the developers of that. It's great, great project. Um, but I, I, yeah, don't take what I just said as fact because it's. I, I don't know. I have these weird dreams, and then I believe they're real. My dreams are getting too real. <laughs> I keep dreaming of school and that I and like my old job is so weird. We've also got unwanted hero with the other one we don't know about. And, and I mean, now that we have a definition for taskmaster that provides some direction, unwanted hero is maybe maybe you get a, a nerf to something when you're with a companion because you're unwanted. Or your your companions don't do as much for you, or they like you less. Seems seems like a more kind of like Taskmaster, another like socially oriented trait. You've um you've saved an old lady's cat from a tree, but they don't want you to be a hero. Like they don't need a hero. You're unwanted. My cats like trees. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> My cat didn't I, need. Saving. I hated that cat. <laughs> yeah, leave him up there. <laughs> So here is a definition because let's just let's just keep going with the with the old Google trend. Um, heroes who aren't wanted by the community. Most times these characters are cynical, but holding on to codes of honor due to there's a typo uh, due to how they feel and how they have to feel. Evil does tell. This is weird. <laughs> who who wrote this? <laughs> Evil does tell them to forget those they save some end up accepted later some unwanted heroes could be misunderstood or outcasts um maybe that didn't help at all but that's what <laughs> came up so something it said something unwanted hero i i feel like if you think about quests uh very melancholy quests um in games like the witcher for example it's the first thing that came to my mind um you know, you'll you'll do something to help someone at the cost of a of a you know, like you saved my husband that was cursed, but he died. Well, now the village is safe, but now this woman's husband is dead, or you know, something like that. It's like you did the right thing, but at a cost of something. So, what does it mean in the in terms of an RPG? Even even if it doesn't have to be Starfield, if you if you do something good. Is there, what do you, what do you, you know, would you benefit, it, it, again, high risk, high, not high risk, high reward, but, you know, high reward, high loss in, a, in another avenue, something that you, you're not exactly, um, a skill maybe that you don't want to be good at. I don't know. That, it, it's so tough. It's so tough. I don't know. I don't know. There's a problem here I'm seeing, which is that. 
they could take it such that you are rewarded for making good choices or you get more um you're better at persuading people like a temporary buff after you make a good moral choice but many of bethesda's quests have moral gray areas where there isn't a truly correct answer look at the end of fallout 4 or or so many side quests from throughout the years so they would have to impose some uh they'd have to dictate what is morally good and what is not so i'm not sure how they could do that but this i mean this the name would imply that this is very intertwined with morality and they would have to reward you somehow for that i don't right dialogue yeah. you mean yeah right i i think the best example i can give for this is karma mm. but not karma from fallout 3 where it's the whole region and that's how everyone sees you even though they wouldn't know because they wouldn't hear about it it was a little ridiculous yeah <laughs> yeah well it's like an oblivion oh. you got in trouble in one city and then halfway across the map they automatically were gonna arrest you so sorry i just had a okay isn't there a reputation system in starfield yeah. what what am i confusing mods of skyrim <laughs> like what am i because if there was a reputation system in Starfield, what if your reputation never changed? It was just always, it never went up or it never went down, but you got more rewards from it. You got um, more money or you got more experience from doing certain types of quests, but your reputation doesn't change. So you're the unwanted hero. People are like, okay, yeah, well, okay. you're doing good, okay. but you know. I've, I've got an analysis. So I think it's going to... I think it's going to be like Karma from Fallout New Vegas. Or their reworked mm. Karma. Right. You get Karma for different locations. So in the settled systems, on the planet Jemison, you're a hero, maybe. You you build up to that. But outside Jemison, you still don't have their respect. You've got to earn that. And you have to earn it in each system, on each planet. You have to earn your reputation. And eventually, you'll be well known. But, you know, you don't just do good deeds on Jemison and the whole gal and the whole settled systems loves you. Somehow. Everyone knows who you are. They instantly like you, even though they've never met you before. I think that makes a lot of sense because starfield's factions or whatever are going to be separated by literally light years so it would make sense yeah. that one hates your guts and wants to kill you on sight and another thinks you're a saint oh yeah 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 i right. I, I i i didn't expand to what i was talking about yeah, yeah yeah so i was talking about the planets but then you also have the faction reputations like yeah you were just saying so you have both you have a planet reputation and you also have the faction reputations are you known by the people or the corporation type thing? You can be both. Or you can be feared by the citizens of New Atlantis, but praised by the United Colonies higher-ups. The badass. So what's the... So if you gamified that, that logic, uh, what would be... 
what would be the the benefit like in a, like in a game you know if you gamified that maybe you get better rewards but you'll be treated differently by the like shopkeepers and the people you interact with that aren't in the you know you're a hero to a faction but you're not a hero to the people or you're a hero to the people but not to the faction i, I don't know that's just that's interesting. No, that that's actually yeah, because that's sort of like the anti of what I was saying, which is just pretty much the opposite kind of. That's that's really interesting. Yeah. This is one that I had kind of glossed over before. This and Taskmaster, I, I thought, oh, there's nothing to glean from that. But the old Google search, there's there's a lot there, and those both of those could be very interesting traits. Yeah, the Taskmaster is something that I just, my, my nerd brain went straight to, you're just good at everything because Taskmaster is a Marvel hero and he's good at everything. That's yeah. where I, my brain went. <laughs> but that actually, um, yeah, I, I, I am dead set on that it has something to do with settlement and um, NPCs and stuff like that. that that's kind of where I'm at with that one. And the... the um, the unwanted hero is if there's a reputation system I think we're all kind of in agreement it has something to do with that any closing thoughts on any of these did we talk about terra firma yeah that was grouped in with spaced okay it was kind of just the inverse of that where you get the bonuses that is, on the that is weird it's called terra firma you know yeah, I go well. I googled that one too, and it, it made sense. They dug really deep for a lot of these terms. I've never heard them. Well, terra's the word for like it's the Latin word for earth. Yeah, so digging kind of does go hand in hand. So yeah, this, that's the opposite of space, right? Like you love the ground, but you hate space. Yeah, terra firma translates to dry land or solid ground from Latin. Okay, okay. So it doesn't mean terra; like it just means ground. Because uh, yeah. we're not quite sure on the status of Terra. Oh, they're going to call Earth Terra. That's going to be so weird. We're not at the stage where we call this planet Terra. We just call it Earth. And one day that will change. I hope so. And Terra is so much cooler than Earth. Earth sounds like, it, a, it like, doesn't... A, like a, a word that you, like when you stub your toe. It doesn't. <laughs> To me, it doesn't sound <laughs> as natural. I think it's because yeah. I've like been it's been ingrained in my head for so long. Saying terror is so confusing to me. Yeah. Oh look, we're Terrans. Yeah. Terrans? I thought we were humans. Right, exactly. Gears of War, that, that Gears of War logic where you're you're a Terran, you know. Isn't that isn't that Gears of War where you're they they call them Terrans? I don't know. Everyone's jacked in that game. They're <laughs> yeah, it's awesome. They're not here. <laughs> I think we can go on to our last segment of each episode, which is the recommendations. Um, who'd like to go first? I can if you need a bit of time to think. Uh, I've got, I've got one. All right, Lexi, let's hear it. I'm going to recommend the Adam Project. Uh, I actually, it's, uh, it's not perfect. It's quite average, I guess. 
Uh, it was on Netflix, I think. Uh, it's got Ryan Reynolds. You know, Deadpool. It's directed by the uh, Knight of the Museum man. And it's got Mark Ruffalo and some other people. Well, that's a pretty stacked cast. Yeah. yeah. No, it's, it's really good because it's about... A, that there's time travel and he meets his younger self. And then he gets to spend time with his dad that passed away. It's uh and there's like um paradoxical things like if you died in the past then your future self would cease to exist, kind of thing. If what they're is in this the called? past. Uh the Adam Project. A D A M. Oh. A T O M. Yeah, I, w I was yeah, I Googled it and it, it's A D A M. That movie. I I, I don't know. Oh, oh I sorry, I think that's my accent. I say Adam. Like I don't <laughs> I don't No, that is it, no, I'm just an idiot. It's fine. Uh, I yeah I just didn't my brain was like not hearing I don't know I love that movie love that movie the kid that they got to play um is that a spoiler no 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 it's in the it's trailers. not a spoiler no. okay the kid that they got to play the younger version of Ryan Reynolds is a huge Ryan Reynolds fan and I have never in my life seen such an absolutely perfect his cadence with with his the way that he speaks the way that he acts it is so spot on and that movie is so charming it's such a feel good movie and i agree with lexi that that movie is please go watch it do yourself it's on netflix go ahead go on that's really cool uh, does netflix have a free trial or have they ever they used to uh, yeah they they should do Netflix is getting too expensive, though. Yeah, that's what yeah. I was thinking. They, they, they've upped it a couple times. <sighs> it's not worth it anymore now that Henry Cavill's out as The Witcher. My heart yeah. is <laughs> I, I use Disney broken. Plus the most. Disney Plus has so much content. Yeah, it's got a lot of good stuff. We'll, uh, we'll, we'll save your, your recommendation for last as, as the special guest. Um, I will recommend... This is, this is such a meme. Um, F1 2022. <laughs> I I love Formula One. I have for for several years now. Um, I'm I'm able to draw a slight connection to Starfield here because the game has a my team mode where you manage an eleventh Formula One team, and you have different uh, like sections of your team. You have like uh, marketing. You have research and development to make your car go faster, um, and then within that you have like your drivetrain. Um, your chassis, your aerodynamics, and you can invest in all four of those different departments. And you have to manage them. And it, there's a little bit of a parallel to ship and crew management in Starfield, where you have your shields, you have your weapons, you have your power. So um, that's the way I'm going to connect this to Starfield. But um, the F1 video game for this year, 2022, it's, uh, I put a lot of hours into it. And uh, that's what I've been playing lately. So that's my recommendation. That's nice, man. That's, uh, you know, yeah, management, you know, ship slash car management and making making sure things run properly. See, see what I did right there? I said making yeah. sure. I love that. I should be laughing. <laughs> uh, 
<laughs> but uh, oh, and I dropped my phone. Uh, is, is this good content? Are we doing okay? Uh, oh yeah. All right. right. Uh, <laughs> so my recommendation, um, I I have I have two. I have a, I have a movie and I have a game. Event Horizon. If anyone has seen this movie, you're like, oh my god, yes. Because are you are you are you all familiar? Familiar, but haven't seen it. Okay. And of course, it came out like 72 years ago uh, when I was <laughs> when I was born. Um, but Event Horizon is a space movie um, that, <clears throat> funnily enough, that's not a real word. Uh, it came out during the time uh, that the Warhammer um, um, franchise was sort of building up. And it has a fun connection to how Warhammer 40K begins. Um, so there's a little teaser there, but it is a space, it is a space horror movie, and one of the best. It is you could you could kind of liken it to Doom, um, because it has. Uh, I don't want to spoil it too much, but. Event Horizon is a classic, and so anyone who looks it up and says, "Oh, it came out in '99," or I don't, actually don't know when it came out, um, but whenever it doesn't matter, watch it. It holds up. It's got Morpheus, so Lawrence uh, Lawrence Fishburne. Did you say it's got Morbius? Morpheus. 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 No, not Jared Leto. <laughs> wasn't alive. <laughs> Uh, yeah, it's got, and it's got the guy that is from Jurassic Park, Alan, that's not his name, uh, but the actor, the, the character's name is Alan. Um, it is, it's such a disturbing movie and because it's set in space, it is, I don't want to spoil anything, but Event Horizon, that's my movie recommendation. And the game is very simple. It's Mass Effect. It is the best space opera game ever period if you have never played mass effect i'm sure you guys have recommended it before i'm gonna do it again mass <laughs> effect it's Love on it. game pass <laughs> go play it you have no excuse don't be intimidated it's just the best thing ever yeah uh I, don't be like mitch don't uh don't try and play the original first Oh yeah, that was so stupid. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> they announced the the remastered version, and I was like, "Oh, I've always wanted to play that. Let me get ready for it by playing the original." And it just hadn't aged. I couldn't get through the first <laughs> level. Yeah, and then you create your character. You spend like fifty-seven minutes creating your character, and you're like, looks good. And then you get into gameplay, and it looks like his jaw is like eating the top of his <laughs> forehead, and you're like, my eye, it's like drifting away out to my ear, and yeah, it it does not hold up too too well. Um, but yeah, it's funny. The first Mass Effect was the one that they put the most work into, as far as reworking a lot of things. Um, they they redid so much, and the game is just. By comparison, just uh, such a, uh, it, uh, I I could go on and on talking about Mass Effect, but uh, yes, I digress. You're a great pick. There's no denying the influence it's had on the industry, and I would say science fiction as a whole. Right. I can provide a little bit of context to Event Horizon as well. And Event Horizon, uh, for I'm sure the space geeks out there will know this, the Event Horizon of a Black Hole 
is the line, the radius at which light can no longer escape from the black hole. So, oh, that's so where the name comes from. Speaking of black holes, uh, did any of you see the video of it? Happened. It ha- technically happened millions of years ago, but the way light works, we were just observing it, like recently. Uh, we saw a black hole devour a star a few years ago, and oh. recently, or a couple of months Britney ago. Britney Spears. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you can cut that out. <laughs> uh, but, but recently. It spat the star out. No. Yeah. And like, it like changed like the the ring around the black hole or something. Oh, it that's was incredible. it was an event. Yeah, you should uh, look it up. It ejected wow. and it's that's changed crazy. our completely understanding of black holes. The star it devoured it ejected later. That that means it's not a permanent transition. Mm-hmm. You're not permanently once you're in the um. Middle, I don't know. Is that the horizon? Once you're past the event horizon, I guess, yeah. Well, once you're past that, it's not the end. You just stay there and then you get spat out. We've just observed that, but that happened, what, a couple million, billion years ago? However far away it is, yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. I mean, if if there was a civilization 65 million years away, and they looked at Earth for a highly advanced telescope, they would see dinosaurs because of the way light travels. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, mind, like a mind T-Rex brain. waving with his little hand. Yeah, <laughs> they could witness the mass extinction event, and they could think oh, this planet man. is like... Doom. I, this is only if they had a telescope powerful enough to like see light years, which is, well, as far as we understand, impossible. It would our our planet would look like an olive with a Q-tip, or are we a Q-tip? No, a toothpick. <laughs> a Q-tip. <laughs> it would look like <laughs> it would look like a, a an olive with a with a toothpick through it, <laughs> not a toothpick, because the the uh, the telescope would have to just absolutely be just sticking out of the planet and just embedded into the core. Um, I'm exaggerating, right. obviously, but like, um, uh, the the way we detect planets from millions of millions of light years away is chat like sun shadows, I think. Mm-hmm. The shadows of the planet, and then to confirm that it's actually a planet, they uh, wait for orbits. If there's no orbit, then it's not a planet. If there's an orbit, say it passes a couple of times, then. Found another planet, boys. Hmm. And what's amazing is that we can only see a tiny fraction of planets that are out there because we can only see the ones that are that orbit at such an angle that when they pass in between us and their sun, we see their outline on top of the sun. Or actually, we don't even see their outline. We see the slight reduction in the sun's brightness, the, yeah. the star's brightness. What, uh, do you remember our conversation, uh, was it an episode or two ago? Uh, how new elements are formed? Oh, yeah. Yeah, you told um, me something there. I had no idea. The the James Webb Telescope, it captured... I, I couldn't believe this. You can zoom in so much on that, on the pictures it takes. You can go, you can zoom so far and it's still high resolution. Wow. Um, 
if you like there's a certain star that is really like really in the background you really have to zoom in for it there's a star and it's apparently one of the original stars one of the last original stars where they um they're ma they're not made of everything our stars made of because it's made of more basic elements and they work a bit different but the thing is obviously that star is long dead but you know we found one It's amazing just how like small and, and meaningless we are at the end of the day. I right, I don't even know if this is true, but I'm gonna say it anyway. Apparently there's this void in our galaxy. Or in space. There's this there's this black void. Where there's just hardly anything. Apparently a type three civil I think it's type three. A type three civilization can harness the power of all the stars in the surrounding area. And I theoretically that would mean those stars would dim. I think I could be terribly wrong. That'd be something. Um but you know like encasing the stars, stuff like that, and it looks like there's a massive void. Mm-hmm. So if a civilization that uh it's it's a wild tin hat theory that that void could be where a type 3 civilization inhabits. Because there's there's just empty space. A bit strange. Or a supernova. Yeah. I guess yeah. that would have to be like a super duper nova because that's a lot. Because each star is a sun, right? So, yeah. Well, a supernova is two stars colliding, right? I think is it super? Is that the is that the main? I, um, sorry. Whenever I think of supernova, I'm just thinking of a star exploding. Period. Supernova, yeah. to my understanding, is a star death. Yeah, right. there there is a phenomenon where a star where stars collide. Uh, that that oh. is that is a spectacle. That could be, that could make more sense for a void in space for two stars colliding, pushing everything away. Mm. over millions and millions and billions and you know that's that's wild to think about we're uh we're not scientists but maybe one day we'll have a scientist on yeah a scientist that wants to talk about a video game that's a good idea maybe we can look into that yeah let's email neil to grass tyson and <laughs> uh a bunch of other scientists yeah, he comes with his own background music it's just like ethereal relaxing <laughs> um, that's hilarious everyone just falls asleep and it's just like a five hour podcast and you just hear snoring in the background and it's just him talking the whole time it's just uh, nothing but knowledge. It's, some of his theories oh, I, I, I'd love to talk to that uh, guy because Neil deGrasse Tyson like he's amazing he's a legend man yeah he, yeah. he is a legend it is um, it is hard to compare I mean, some some of the some of the greatest people in 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 history are memed because they're just so you can't compete. <laughs> so it's like, well, might as well just have some fun. 
Uh, but yeah, so so that voids either some event happened or there's a civilization there harnessing all the stars in the surrounding area. Which uh, let's hope it's not a civilization because uh, we're screwed. Yeah, if they pick our star next, then yeah. But uh, it's Adios. quite it's quite yeah. a distance away. I mean, as far as yeah. I know, there are like kind of stars in that area, but not really. So uh, maybe there's some dwarf stars that they didn't want. Something fun to look into. Do we have any closing thoughts on uh, the recommendations or any traits? No, I asked earlier, but check again. I, this is not a trait, but I have to save this because I don't know when the next, uh, or or if I'll even be here for the next podcast. I don't know what's happening as far as that goes. The The bounty hunter background um ever since I was a little boy, we're going back to to the to the to to Wolf's past. I Ninja I don't know I, when I was a little when I was a young pup, um <laughs> it, it it was Odd World, Stranger's Wrath, it was Star Wars Bounty Hunter, it was Boba Fett, it was any anything that it was the bounty hunting missions in um You you uh, want you want to Yeah. You wanted to you wanted to do the dirty work the companies didn't want to do, right? And just the thought whenever you think bounty hunter in in uh, media in in movies and in games, it, it does it does come back to like a bounty hunter of the galaxy of the of the land of like don't mess with this dude he is he is he's gonna bring you in warmer and then yeah and then and then the Mandalorian was it was a huge hit and that's what he was i mean it i i wonder about that background because is it if you are a bounty hunter you're not missing out on bounty hunting uh, bounty hunting missions if you are not um choosing the bounty hunter background but you're getting more rewards hmm because there has to be I would be totally fine with um and Lex I'm sure you're 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 familiar with like the notice boards mods um mm. which I just can't I can't play Skyrim without those mods now because they're so I just I love I love that I love just um uh, because I also am someone who who disables fast travel I have a disable fast travel mod and I just love venturing out and just having a journey. And the goal is to go and kill someone for a bounty. But it's everything that happens in between that the point A to point B. And I just hope that Starfield has just a simple, even if it's just a simple, repetitive, just bounty board. Here's a dude. I don't expect us to be able to take someone alive and throw them over our, our shoulder or even like knock someone out and then we get on our ship and then there's an unseen animation vasco picks them up loads them into the you know um i just hope that that's a thing because i am like what does that mean what what is that like that is, <laughs> I, I just want that so bad i just had to get that off my chest because i that's all i want there's only two things that i want in starfield i want to be able to walk around my ship no matter what on land or or otherwise and i want to be able to be a bounty hunter <laughs> combine the two 
walk around in your ship in midspace so that you can beat the snot out of the bounty that you have tied up in the back of your exactly. <laughs> yes. Okay. Yes. So two things have popped in my mind. You ever played Red Dead Redemption 2? And that sounds like a stupid question. Yeah, so my namesake is because Red Dead Redemption 2 and the wolf comes from the Witcher. So the oh. white wolf is what they call Geralt. So I am Red Wolf because Red Dead Redemption 2 and well, Witcher 3 combined. Uh, there's That's bounties in that game. And they can be the most annoying things ever. Right. Yeah. Uh, because they're story driven, they're sort of tied to like a linear weird um I didn't yeah. I actually liked them a lot, but I know what you're I know where you're I going. I find them too like especially in the online mode like they're so tedious um especially when like their spawn points keep changing in the online mode yes. so you have yes. to learn every single spawn point and you know um totally agree but in bethesda fashion i don't know if you're gonna be able to physics tie up uh bounties and just throw them in so either yeah. they're gonna be you have to kill them or like when you when you capture them, they're like, oh, okay, and they just start walking to your ship willingly. Right. Exactly. <laughs> or, or it's like or it's like you you can you know, we've seen how it looks in Bethesda games whenever there is a um there's an essential character. And so they go down, and once they go down, maybe you can walk up to them and be like, had enough? And they're like, okay. Yeah, and they just start casually walking to your ship and you talk right. to them and they're like, hey, what's up? <laughs> oh, how's it going? Yeah, and you're like, what are you? <laughs> I just shot you like 15 times. Uh, but yeah, that, it did, any, anything. I'm not even, I'm not asking Bethesda. Todd, Todd, can you hear me? I'm just asking. Let me walk around my ship. Even if we weren't recording, he would hear you. He can hear me. I know he can hear. He just woke up in a cold sweat, like Anakin in, in Revenge of the Sith. His shirt, shirt off, metal arm, and everything. We know he's got a metal arm. He's not fully human. Um, yeah, that's all I want. Just, just be able to walk around our ship, and, and no matter what the circumstances are, just except for combat. That's that is the one uh, thing that I totally understand. Like, don't. You, we don't need to be walking around our ship. I mean. I'm just saying I would understand if that was not a thing, but mm -hmm. as you as you said before, yeah, let us let us screw ourselves over and <laughs> and get blown up. I, I, either way is totally fine. But the bounty hunting thing is when I saw bounty hunter as a background, I I just imagine the uh, whenever the the character talks to you and says, "So you're a diplomat," and I I just imagine him saying, "Oh, so you're a bounty hunter," and I'm like, "Oh hell yeah!" Oh yeah, they could have just recorded that for every. Right, it, it, that, and I think that's what it's gonna be. Oh, so you're a bounty hunter? I he I hear I see, I think, <laughs> or whatever. <laughs> so I don't I don't know. I just I just love the idea of ha having a title and some people reference, uh, your background. Um, again, Mass Effect, and Mass Effect did that, and and Mass Effect used it throughout the entire trilogy. Um, it would reference, oh, you're a war hero. I heard what you did on. Uh, in in the blitz you know or it's like oh i heard you you really you were ruthless you know you and then you're like yeah i did what i had to do to survive you know this is what i had to do yeah at you know? the at the pace i do content in bethesda games at launch i tend to forget certain aspects and when a character comes and references it later on i'm like what 
Oh yeah, yeah, I did that. Right, oh right. yeah. <laughs> Wait, is my game bugged? Oh, I must have done that. Because I, I go through several... Like, the way I do quests is... If there's a quest closer to my than my objective, I'll quickly do that side quest and move on. Right. And I just do location, location as I'm moving. That's how I did Fallout 4. Um, I kind of regret going in Dunwich Bores because... Oh my god, that's terrifying. Um, <laughs> don't, don't go into that place unless you know what to expect because you're going to see some... Like acid trips and that, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and like the chanting, I mean, it's worth it, but it's... In Fallout 3, like... Uh, side note, but in Fallout 3, I got the ghoul mask purposefully because it makes that place... It makes the Dunwich building in Fallout 3 less scary because no ghoul will attack you. That's nice. Yeah. But, I mean, the swinging doors open and all the paranormal stuff still gets you. <laughs> so what I did is I turned off the audio on my TV and I just collected all the audio logs and the bubble head and got out. I, di I didn't even bother going down right to the basement. I got what I wanted and I left. That's the way to go. Sometimes that horror stuff is, is too much to handle. Yeah. Are we ready to, to wrap it up then? Yes. Yeah. So. All right. So that was episode 18 of the Lorefield podcast. Everyone be sure to pay attention this December 8th. This <laughs> I should reword that. It sounds like I'm talking down to people. Um, <laughs> pay attention. <laughs> keep an eye out December 8th for uh, potential Starfield news at the Game Awards. We know Starfield is nominated for uh, most anticipated. I don't think the voting is still open. Probably won't be by the time this podcast goes up, but uh, if voting is still open, uh, go vote for Starfield for most anticipated. Um, and we will probably have another episode in a week and a half, two weeks' time um, to talk about whatever happens at the Game Awards. And if not, we'll have something to talk about instead. But um, in the meantime, you can find us on Twitter at LorefieldNet, where we share news, analysis, and finds for the game. You can also join us at the Lore subreddit, r slash Lorefield. We're always looking for new members over there, and that'll be a great place to discuss lore as we get closer to release. We're also on YouTube as Lorefield, where you can subscribe for all of our podcasts and some other video content, such as Tales from the Civil Systems, which you can expect more of. We have a Discord. Join us and some wonderful members of the Starfield community for lore discussion and more over there. And also, thank you, Wolf, for joining us. This was a lot of fun, and I'm sure we'll have you back soon. Yes, thank you. And take care, everyone. And I think that's everything. Thank you so much for listening, everybody. We'll see you next time. Bye, all.
Would we like to do recommendations for this episode? I'll cut this out, but um, I, I don't. I, I didn't I warn you about this wolf, so sorry about uh, that. I didn't. I never have one. You act like I don't watch. I haven't seen every single episode, so I, I yeah, I know. Uh, <laughs> I usually like to give people a heads up, like, "Hey, we do this thing at the end, so make sure." You have yeah. Some. So recommendations. Um, yeah. If you guys, do you guys have anything? Because I don't, I don't want to do a cold open. We, we can, I can wait until you're ready. Because I have a lot. Okay. Um, I uh, hang on. I've got to figure out what I want to. I have the loosest connection ever that I'm going to draw to Starfield. No. I'm just going to Google films and see what comes up. (laughs) (laughs) I am terrible at this. And I feel bad because I'm just... By the way, do you do you do claps whenever you know that you're gonna cut a segment out? No, but it'll help. I'll see it. I I'm gonna tell you right now. This is behind some behind the scenes stuff. When I record, <laughs> it is. I sound like a psychopath. Um, and <laughs> just cut cut everything out. What I'm about to say, <laughs> but this is how this is how voiceover works. Um, you know, I'm doing a voice, and I realize that I have something up, and. I I will have to make a, a a a spike in the audio so that way I know that when the last spike ends, the thing that comes next is what I want to keep. Um, so when I was doing voiceover, for example, for um for Wolf for the um for the the uh, the episode one, it would sound something like this. I would I would go, <laughs> I would go. You know, I was just a boy. I grew up in a farming village on, on, I was growing up on a farming village. I was just a boy going on a farm. I would do that until I nailed it. I'm not getting, I still have the audio. I can send it to you guys if you want to hear it. Um, but that is what it sounds like. And you got to jump straight back I, into character and just keep going. I did not hear a clap. I just, I heard something completely different. Yeah, it like that was, that's not a clap. That was literally me going. No, nah! that's that's what I was doing. I'm not kidding. Okay. I would I would yell. I would yell that way. The, the volume would spike. That's so so that, that's how it would be. Do you mind if I put that in? That's so yeah. Funny. Leave it. Leave it. Yeah. 